as surfers, we have a natural love for the ocean, being in the water and chasing thrills. Surfing and surf culture is at the core of Loose. We are a brand made for all-day thrill seekers, experience makers, and good time chasers. Inspired by the elements of surf that excite us the most, we create products begging for adventure, both into the water and out of the water. There's no stamp of approval needed to vibe with our tribe. So drop your inhibitions and get loose because fun feels better. Loose towels. Since 1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack. Customized, eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, EarthPack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. ColbyPlus.com is a new brand from a very experienced crew in the wetsuit and surf industry. An independently owned and family run business. All of their products are made with the best in the world materials and they only sell direct. So you're getting a top of the line product for much less. Their wetsuit line, Colby Plus Yamamoto uses Yamamoto number 39 and number 40 neoprene propriety jersey and what we believe is the best and most functional design and construction available. Their line of waterproof bags Colby Plus T-Zip feature completely water and airtight German-made T-Zip zippers. They have a tight line of traction and leashes and will have board shorts on the way in the spring featuring Swiss engineered shoulder fabric. They are currently shipping orders to the US, Canada and Australia. For you Aussies and Canadians, unfortunately, the shipping isn't free. ColbyPlus.com, Finless Skateboard Company. To honor our predecessors of surf shapers, we wanted to make sure that our skateboards were completely handmade, made of solid wood, and that the designs, the line work, and aesthetics of our boards are unique to each deck we create. No heat transfers, no stickers, except for our logo. The whole board is made of carefully assembled different species of wood with cores of hard maple and top and bottom sheets carefully assembled with various types of wood species to give our board 
Gardens, the look of a classic 1950s surfboard. Handcrafted is human, handcrafted is thoughtful, handcrafted is quality, handcrafted is community. Finless Skateboard Company. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky Podcast. Surf Expo. Day two. Day two. We got legendary status here. Legendary. We're going to fix that so it's not just in your face. Sounds good. BC. Surf and sport. Surf and sport. Since 1977. Wow, that's, I think we're doing the calculations, 46, 40. Time has flown. Yep, 46 at this point, yeah. Bruce Camardi, thank you for sitting down with us. You are, uh, thank you guys. as, As we like to say, surf retail royalty. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for uh, you know doing what you've been doing, supporting the industry, um, supporting your community, like being Thank a business you. entrepreneur. So, can you go back first? Let's talk about surfing or what what got you into the business, yeah. the passion. So, surfing for me came about because when I was about. 14, probably close to 15, I think I was about 14. My best friend at the time, riding the school bus, bought a surfboard from another guy on the bus for 15 bucks and was willing to share it with me. So the two of us take turns. Go down go down to the beach on the weekend and take turns with the board, you know, like we only had one board to How old were you? cover us. I was probably 14. 14? Yeah. Okay. So a little late. Yeah. And are you in Florida? South Florida. Florida. Yeah, what's, yeah, what, yeah, what's the beach break? Or <laughs> There's very little surf. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're sitting behind the Bahamas, so it's rare that you get a swell. It's yeah. usually wind chop, like northeast winds. You get a little, little get a wave there. And then in the wintertime, if a strong low comes through, usually as the front pushes through, you get a north swell maybe for... Anywhere from half a day to a couple of days. And are you in chunks like most of the year, or is it get yeah, cold? Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty like, warm. Like wetsuits where we are is like maybe on a on a cold day where the air is cold. Yeah, wear just a jacket. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's thing. nice. Yeah. yeah. Now you were 14 and you were sharing. Was it a longboard or? A- no, no, it was. Uh, it was sort of a. It it was like something somebody made out of a longboard. Like okay. somebody had kind of. Chopped a longboard and made a uh, made a blank out of what was yeah. left and reshaped board and reshaped a pretty sad little <laughs> neighborhood. Yeah. Hey, but something to glide on. You know, yeah, something to that's go right. On. Yeah. Single fin or a start. It was a single fin. Nice, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And how'd you do on it? Uh, I I survived. Yeah. <laughs> but you got hooked. And I totally got hooked. And then we probably, you know, in hindsight, it's hard to say what the time was. Feels like it was a long time, but it was probably a month or two later that I found out there was a surfing area in town, like where there's actually a place you were yeah, allowed yeah. to surf, and there were other people surfing. Like I thought we were the only two people surfing. Oh, that's I'm hilarious! That. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a clue. Cause so there's a there's a part of the coast. we went to. There was nobody there, you know. So. But there's a spot that maybe had a little bit better sandbar and, and waves. Or yeah, just no, honestly, out. it wasn't even that it was 
it wasn't that it was better, it's where you were allowed to serve. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because and, it was pre-leashes and all that stuff, yeah. so most of the beach, you, you weren't allowed to have a surfboard. Sh- sharky by, by you guys at all, or no, not too bad? Not scary sharky. Yeah, yeah. just little. I mean, there's, there's more like sand sharks or reef sharks. It's funny that stuff, there's yeah. designated places to surf. There is in other parts of the right. country, but back in the day... You know, we're, we're, we found out that in Newport Beach, you had to have a license. Really? Did you know that? You had wow. to register no. your board like a watercraft. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. Now, you That's didn't have crazy. to go, like, doing, a, you know, yeah. a surfing test, but yeah, you right. just had to go register. And, and it was a sticker that you put on your board, and if police or lifeguard, you know, right. was patrolling the beach... They would call, and you'd have to like show yeah, your show them your sticker. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. how funny is that? <laughs> hey, keep the crowd down for sure, yeah, right? You know. Really? So surfing, obviously, it, it became a yeah, passion. So became central to my life as far as activity and, and social circle, all my yeah. friends, everything that way. So we're yeah. talking late sixties. Uh, yeah, starting in the late sixties, yeah. like. Price sixty late sixty eight sixty nine is when yeah. I started. Surfing. And, and was it like the surf scene kind of booming, or was it still kind of? Yeah, I mean, niche-y? it was. I think it was a booming niche. Yeah, yeah. It was like a very specific crowd, but it not outcasts, you know. But like, solid. yeah, you were like yeah. the surfers. Yeah, yeah, and it's like all the same people are my best friends today that were the guys that I grew up with at that time. Awesome. Yeah. Now, did you get into competition? Were you a competitive surfer? No. Or? No. I'm not a competitive person. <laughs> just in business. Not even in business. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I just do my thing, you do yours, and yeah. hopefully we all do well. So, um, you didn't do competition. Were you, were you good in school? I... Um, I would say school came easily to me. I was not a good student. I was very unmotivated. Yeah, that's now, probably because it was too remedial I, for you. You didn't keep it, your I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't challenged. real interested. I wasn't yeah. challenged. I wasn't that interested. Yeah. That and I went to a school where you could kind of do what you wanted. It was like late sixties experimental approaches to schooling and stuff. So like at the school I went to, you could. You could be walking through the halls all day, any day, and nobody would question you. You didn't yeah. have to have like a pass to be out of class. Or yeah. Something. So it was very, yeah, very wide Howell. open to abuse. Yeah. yeah. It's a chip how certain eras in time that the, the social right. situations are so different. Yeah. yeah. You know, like. So were you uh, athletic? Were you playing sports, like stickball stuff? No, I honestly, I was, when I was younger, before I got into surfing, what I was into was more like nature and animals and... Outdoor. Like outdoor, snake hunting and fishing. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah fishing. I mean... But it was... Uh, I, I didn't... I was never into baseball or football yeah. or any of that, like... What was your first surf trip like? First surf trip was uh, Cape Hatteras when I was 15. I went to Cape Hatteras with like five friends and spent a couple of weeks there. Nice. My, my more interesting second surf trip I w- was also when I was 15. Uh, a friend of mine who was probably like 19 or 20 at the time 
convinced my parents that he was the kind of guy that they should let me go on a trip with, and <laughs> he did a really good job. And so he and another friend of his that was uh, about that age, but uh, that I had never met, the three of us went to Ocean City, Maryland for a couple of weeks. How long of a trek is that in the car? uh, It's probably like 20 hours or something. Wow. Pretty, you know, it's like kind of Washington, D.C. and then over to the ocean. Yeah, it's gnarly. But uh, so about four or five days into the trip, I was out surfing by myself, and we had always parked in the same place in front of the surf shop a couple of blocks in. I walk up to where the car was, and the car wasn't there. And I go into the surf shop and ask the guy, like, you know, those guys I've been hanging out with, have you seen them? You know, and he's, oh, yeah, they said to tell you they they went up to uh, Delaware. They, They heard about... They heard about some place they wanted to check out as far as inlet, some you. inlet, you know, and and they went up to Delaware. They'll be back in a few days, and in a few. Days. So I'm 15 years old. I've got like three bucks in my baggies, and I've got my surfboard, and that's it. I got a they didn't pair of shorts, three bucks, and a surfboard, and they disappeared. And and. The guy that I said I didn't know that I hadn't met before the trip, he had just gotten out of jail before, you know, which I find out as we're driving up. Oh my talking God. The story. So he's gonna I'm, go make I'm a drop picturing or I'm never gonna get any of my stuff back. Like my money for the trip is in the car. And long story shortened up a little bit. I ended up spending like I think it was either two or three nights. I, I know it's at least two nights. Wow. Luckily, sleeping in the surf shop, like the guy that you hang in the... Right, the, the shop that I was hanging out in front of, when, I, when the guy saw what was going on, he said, well, if you want, he said, just be here at closing, and I'll lock you inside, and you can... What There's a, great a couch guy. in there. What a yeah, nice yeah, I guy. can't... Right. I wish I could do the same thing these days. Yeah. I'm not... not yeah, yeah, at different times for but, sure. Yeah, guy was like, "What was the shop?" It was um, Sundance Brotherhood. Was what Sundance it was Brotherhood. I think it became Sundancer later. Oh, okay. And I don't know if it's I don't know if it's still around. I can't imagine it would be the same people. When this summertime, so it's still nice weather and everything. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. yeah, it was summertime. And so you're not yeah. gonna call your parents. What's that? Oh, you're yeah. not gonna call your parents. <laughs> no, no, that would be a disaster. But think of yeah. all the gnarly things that are going in your head how, how am I ever going to get home I right. can call my parents that's yeah. going to be my last yeah I'm know. never leaving the house again if they, if you call yeah. in most gnarly thing was going through my head was how am I going to eat on three dollars yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah food and shelter I was, I was eating donuts for like three days yeah yeah Wait. all you had was the board shorts board there. shorts and my surfboard your board and, and three, three bucks yeah. how the what what a bunch of and dicks. So right. then, so then, they come back. We finish up our week and a half or so left. Drive home. We get as far as Atlanta. And we're spending the night sleeping on the floor of somebody's apartment in Atlanta that we knew. And watching the 11 o'clock news. And there's a storm out in the Atlantic. And the two guys I'm with said, we're going to Hatter's. There's going to there's be... Oh, good waves the next day or two. Let's go to Hatteras. And I'm like, 
I'm out of here, man. I need, I need to go home. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you're 15. I'm out of money. You guys have worn me out psychologically. I just need to go home. And they're like, well, let's keep this party going. So they, so they take me to the Greyhound bus station in downtown Atlanta at like one o'clock in the morning, and drop me off. Kooks. So it's like. So 15 year old skinny kid with a backpack and a surfboard with long hair in the bus station <laughs> and I buy my ticket I'm sitting there waiting because the bus isn't going to leave till like 6 or 7 in the morning I'm sitting on chair in the bus station and these two guys and a girl sit down like opposite me in the chairs there and they start one of them's like, hey, you think that's a boy or a girl over there? To you. To me, about me. Yeah, back and forth to each other, yeah, like yeah. trying to yeah, intimidate me. And oh, so shit. it goes goes on long enough. I'm like getting kind of nervous, like oh, being here with these people. Are you a tough kid or are you like... No, no, I wouldn't be a tough kid. I was the same guy I am now. Yeah. Like, You're mellow. just being mellow. Now yeah, you're mellow. business. Yeah. And so back then, there was Greyhound and there was Trailways, like two... Two, two competing bus buses. So I cashed in my Greyhound ticket and asked the guy how to get to Trailways. And having the brain of a 15-year-old kid at like 2 or 3 in the morning um, in deep downtown Atlanta, walking down dark streets, trying to remember how the guy told me to get to this other bus station because wow. you don't have GPS or anything. Nothing. Just walking down the street with my surfboard in the dark. Because these people scared you so bad. They they basically made me feel like they're going to jump me. Yeah. I tried to go to the bathroom. Dang. Yeah. You yeah. can't leave your stuff. I made it to Trailways and got home, but that was... Uh, you, you never that went was anywhere. my second surf trip. You never went, went anywhere with those guys. <laughs> Not either. with those guys. No, no. What was your uh, local surf shop in, in town that you guys hung out with? So the local surf shop... For me, was uh, it's called Discount Water Sports. It was Discount Water Sports. Yeah, terrible name. Mike, yeah, Margo- terrible. Mike Margolis, who was probably the best, is probably the best sales Person salesman. Met. Next, next to, to me, uh, <laughs> that's right. Best you heard it here. Yeah. yeah. You're like, I don't sell anything, but I will <laughs> soon. <laughs> he ran the local, he had a local surf shop in Fort Lauderdale for a number of years. And then uh, after a long time, that closed up. He actually, he became the uh, head of sales for Crocs when that was blowing up. Wow. When it was like unknown, he was the part guy. of that team that, that way blew back in that the whole thing up. Back in the uh, day. Yeah, what was it? Probably 12 years ago or At something. Least. When it yeah, yeah. Wow. 12 or 14 years. How funny. Crocs are yeah. huge. Yeah. I mean, it was so, so that was funky our... when they came out, but they caught on and now they're yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. They're like big time. Everywhere. So, yeah, that, that, was, so that was our local surf shop. Was, okay. Discount. Uh, DWS. DWS. Yeah. So, what was your first uh, job? My first job, bussing tables. Nice. Yeah. Good. Second Good. job, Good washing work. dishes. Third job, pumping gas. Yes. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, that was like, yeah, they actually yeah. had 
that yeah. gas station. Yeah, Some people still do here. Clean the windshield. Yeah. 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 Check, check your fluids, air oil. pressure. Yeah. Right. In Jersey, there's still gas stations that, that still do that a, service. Uh, wow. The gas attendants. Yeah. You ever, you ever been to Japan? They have like a NASCAR team that comes out. Oh. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're all suited in the same like, all, like onesie right. like jumpsuits and they come out like in a team of like four and they're do, they do the yeah, whole car. So it's right. like, it's so awesome. I like Japan's like throwback society where certain places are all uniforms yeah right. still wear uniforms right and it, the first time I went there was such a trip because uh, I had uh, I couldn't sleep right insomnia and I just took my, my uh, I took a long walk and by myself at like 3 o'clock 4 o'clock in the morning and I'm walking around these tall buildings everywhere right right and there's it's just no one out you know, no one on the streets, and I, I, I walk around the corner because it's big buildings, right? I walk around the corner, and it's just howling wind. Oh man! I'm yeah, like, oh, shit, tunnel. Yeah. This is weird. Like, yeah. Up, you know, it's no wind, and then I right. turn this corner, and it's, you know, yeah. like wind. And right. then I, I look down the street, and all these bikes are are blown over. Right? Oh, so I start walking over there, and I, I'm looking at the bikes because none of them are bikes. locked up. None of them are locked up. <laughs> There's no theft. Yeah. No, nobody's, no. yeah, nobody's yeah, looking to steal the steel. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, wow. I don't know why we started here. Yeah. The show's not about my story. It's about, yeah, yeah, but it's interesting, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, to hear. So, so you, you did the typical, like, teenage jobs. Yeah. Uh, and graduate high school, what are you thinking you're going to do? So when I got out of high school, a buddy of mine had been doing surf movies in Fort Lauderdale. So back then, and I've probably told you this story before, but uh, back then, movies were all on film. And California, like West Coast, Hawaii, Australia, people that made the movie typically would show it themselves in those places because the markets are so big. Yeah. On the East Coast, they would send a print over to somebody in one town on the East Coast. They would do a show and then they send it to somebody in another town. Yeah, because you got to send the whole real film like, yeah. Right. And so you get bounced all around the coast, right? And so I started doing that in Fort Lauderdale. and Doing movies. Doing movies, showing surf movies. And uh, got to know another guy up in Long Island, Doug Hill, that was doing the same thing I was doing. And so you would be we, responsible for renting out the theater, like finding the theater to, like, yeah, to we, place it in? Rent. Sometimes it was theater. A lot of times it would be a hotel meeting room, oh. a high school auditorium. Okay, yeah, those are nice. Uh, VFW halls, stuff how, like that. How old were you at this time? I, 18. Okay. Yeah. And so Doug and I banded together and then went to the guys that made the movies and offered to do the whole East Coast instead of them having... 25 or 30 people they had to trust to pay the right amount that whole deal yeah they could just work with us so then we I did that for about did it primarily my my main job for probably about four years and then opened the first BC and kind of transitioned so when when you first did the the first one Uh uh-huh were you in charge of like booking the spots and like yeah the whole yeah you do the whole the money and yeah. like thinking door, about door. the budget yeah. like 
basically running your own business, starting up. Yeah, running your own micro business. Yeah. Even though it's not really a business, but it's, it right. is a business. Yeah. It turns into yeah. A business. Yeah, no, it turned into a solid, like... What would your ticket prices be? A couple bucks? Two bucks. Two bucks? Yeah. 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 Two was bucks it kind of lucrative typical. then? It was It was good Did job you? for a... 18, 19, 20 year old yeah. like I mean, yeah, no, we would have people to show up a yeah. couple hundred bucks we would have in. nights where we had certain you, you had a circuit that you did over and over so you got to know what towns had what kind of crowds yeah and you'd have nights in small towns where you'd do 50 or 80 people yeah. but then a good movie in Cocoa Beach or Jacksonville we would do two nights do two or three shows a night and fill up five or six hundred seats every show wow so, so that's killer was anybody else doing that or just you guys at that time it was really just us because so they'd only get nobody one else, copy of nobody the else film. had organized it, yeah yeah know? Bob McKnight did that too did you know that right no yeah. on the west coast yeah 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 he would he would make movies I think right, right? And I think then, so and then he did like go out and show, show uh, showing yeah. releases down the coast yeah Wow. Did you have a, a name for your company? or It was just, it was BC Productions. BC it was just my initials. And yeah, just so that How you had funny. something to put on a checking account. So yeah. four years of that, you saw, in, in you, you, you so saw doing, like the, the surf lifestyle, and you're like, I'm going to open a shop? Or how did that? No, it was more like doing that. I developed a mailing list. Every town you go into, you get people's name and address, and then you do a mailing to let them know the next movie. And so then once I was doing that, you're sending out, you know, 500 or 1,000 mailings on a week. I went to a friend, Carl Bolak, who uh, started Island Water Sports, which at that time was in Pompano before, before they moved it up to Deerfield. And so he was in, he had all the retail connections and I had the mailing list so we created a mail order business to because then all we had to do is print a flyer we already I was paying postage anyway so yeah. just stick a flyer in the envelope and started a mail order business selling and what? selling like like it was early days of leashes so power cord was a leash where it was a wow. like surgical tubing yeah with a piece of rope through it so it didn't overstretch it was you su- know? suction cups and, too, right yeah the, well the, the first ones were suction yeah. cups this was by this time there were i don't know if wonder bolts were around yet that you could tie to your to your fin bolt but there were it was before leash cups, but people were glassing a loop on the deck, that yeah. kind of thing, you know. Yeah, that's true. And would you have other like items on the on the yeah, on the we, sheet? We sold sold fins, we sold board shorts, we sold were you, were you skate, advertising skate like products, magazines, or no? At that time, it was just just, just my mailing list, you, yeah. Because it was like mailing list had like five thousand names, yeah. On it. Because it was from Florida to Virginia, so it was, you know, a good solid list, and everybody on the list surfed. Yeah. So, you know, it was a, what a trip! How it was a that focused? How your 
first venture turns into a different one. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, how would they would they call and place an order, or they mail like a check out? They like mail. They mail, they a, mail a check. Yeah. They mail like a check. With a little like, hey, I want these two on items. The bottom, you write yeah. down what you want. You mail it in with the check. That yeah. is. So epic. did you have to get a warehouse? So that's how we right. So that's how we ended up with the store, which we had a little warehouse with inventory. Might as well sell out the instead front. Of, yeah, instead of coming into this warehouse, may as well have a storefront and do it there. So, then so did you start with the storefront first or no, warehouse first? No, then? warehouse warehouse first. By me, it was a warehouse like uh, you know, little yeah, industrial center where it's like you know, twenty feet wide, yeah. thirty feet deep. Started with a mail order. That's yeah. incredible. Well, started with well movies. movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, the mail order, you know, it's you know, what was your like first month or week or like mail oh, out? I'm, I'm sure it was like you know, get a couple, maybe a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. Was, but you knew it worked. It was like, a hey. different world. Yeah. Like when I when I opened the store, I I can remember a few months in. So Carl uh, was originally my partner in BC, but he he didn't stay in it very long because. Island was doing well, and BC hadn't gotten any momentum, so it wasn't worth yeah. him being away from his business, running Island to, to help out at BC. So anyway, he left, and I was running it myself. And I can remember a few months in going home and telling my mom, "I think I think this thing's going to work. If I can yeah. do two hundred bucks a day, I'll I'll make a decent living." So crazy. And how old are you at this point, like? Uh, 22. 22. Yeah. That's epic. And you had no idea what you were going to become, but this was I something. I had no idea what it would potentially grow into. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I thought I would do different things every five or six years. And what was, kinda, what was like the best-selling items? You know, so you started out with niches and fins, and then what did it evolve to? So the mail order thing never got big, big. It, was, it was it just got because it was very focused it yeah. was like when we do a mailing there'd be 10 or 12 things I offered at a yeah. time yeah. but they were always the things that were in that moment in highest demand like skate stuff a lot of times yeah. like some of so the would you do like a couple of thousand mailers and then wait two or three weeks for somebody to yeah. so we did a mailing every week cause, so like because like for the area you're going to. So if we were doing shows in South Florida, I'd do like maybe Miami on Friday, Fort Lauderdale on Saturday, and Boca on Sunday or something. So that mailing would be to South Florida. Then next week we might be doing Melbourne and Cocoa Beach. Week after that you might be doing St. Augustine and, and New Smyrna and Gainesville. So you're just doing a mailing every week to the area that you're hitting. That's incredible. So that's the frequency. Right. So for people receiving stuff from us, they would probably see something every six weeks. It's like... Could you circle back and restart over? Swing it back a month and a half, two months later with a different move. Yeah, Yeah. because, I mean, we're talking snail mail. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. The response for somebody to go, I need a new leash, you know? Yeah, they get something and they sit and stew on it. Maybe they're waiting for money for the check that, you know, and then they're like, okay, I got money coming in Friday. Okay, I can see that, you know? It's like a couple, two, three weeks. Yeah, you're finally seeing... That's like a slow, slow, slow. So... The warehouse, storefront. Did you did you 
right away call it BC Surfing Sport? Or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 1977, BC Surfing Sport. Yeah. Because yeah. my partner was Carl Bolak, C.B., and my initials are B.C. Yeah. So it could be Bruce and Carl, it could be Bolak and Cromarty, yeah. or it could just go back to being my initials after yeah. Carl left. How yeah. funny. Yeah. You'd have to totally change interchangeable. Name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I mean... it worked out in your favor. Yeah, yeah it worked out. It worked <laughs> out well. Yeah. Um, and then, so what products, you know... You know, were you, you know, because at and that time there was, days. it was mostly hard goods, you know, skate. And, and it was a time when, so I think Quicksilver, like scallop, like board shorts yeah, yeah. were blowing up. It was a time when, like, Quicksilver, the way, the way everything worked, so they had one, one guy that covered the East Coast, Bob, can't think of his last name, anyway, he was up in the Northeast, like in New Hampshire or something. And he would call on a schedule. He would call his accounts, and he would tell you what you were getting that week. It's literally how it worked. So, like, I, I think I our call would be like Saturday at ten or something. And every Saturday morning, he'd call at ten o'clock. He answer the phone to tell you, "Oh, I can get you eighteen pair of scallop legs and uh, and a half dozen t-shirts." And this was assorted. It's totally assorted. <laughs> yeah. You don't even pick a size scale. He just, they just sent you yeah. what they felt was the best mix from what they had so available. Yeah. And it worked fine because because just stuff was in... The demand relative to supply was so out of balance that it was never a problem. You, yeah. weren't, you weren't worried that... That they, you weren't worried that you didn't pick what they're sending you. You just wanted to get more. Yeah. You know how many times I had mom like stitch my waistband just because I wanted a, a pair that was like too that big. color and too big, and be like, mom, yeah. I, I really want make these. They're gonna yeah. last a little longer if we, yeah, like you so, make it work. So you you open the storefront. You're you're successful with this one man show. You yeah. don't have any employees, right? No, not initially. Not, yeah, not initially. And, and you have a storefront. How long did it take to really traffic? start kicking in? Yeah, and then I, like I would say like I mean the first I think first year I did like eighty thousand dollars gross. So not too shabby. It was yeah. enough. My rent was three hundred bucks a month. You know stuff like that. Yeah. So it was enough to pay the bills and make a living. And, and, you, and you mentioned this was in like an industrial area. No, the warehouse. The warehouse. Yeah, the, the store stores was on separate. like okay. Uh, Federal US one is more of a popular foot traffic street. area. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Through town. Yeah. And and the storefront. What did you have in it? Like what? It was largely a lot of it was what reps in Florida had like excess product that they would put in on consignment so smart Bill Bringhurst was a guy who was like one of the early yeah. surf reps in Florida and he had a bunch of stuff you, in you the, the surf movie guy so you were you had a network of all the surfers I, I, I knew yeah I knew yeah. people on different levels yeah. from having been back and forth so many times yeah, yeah. yeah. But a lot of it was just, I think it was a time where 
people were happy to see another door open, so they were going to do whatever they could to help yeah. you get it going. Natural art, Pete Dooley was really good that way, a lot of help. Yeah. So, when did you go? One day, right? Like you're right. sitting in your office, you're sitting in your store, and you're seeing more and more people come, and you're adding more and more categories. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, I'm a social. Yeah, I can't tell you exactly when, but I, I think the thing that really blew us up initially as far as the biggest impact on sales was one of the skate booths. It was like, you know, sort of late 70s, early 80s. You're sort of transitioning out of the solid wood decks like Logan Erskies and stuff and into fly decks that were a lot more technically functional and skate was really flowing up and that that fueled a lot of growth for us and then then in surf a little later like TNC was on fire TNC was huge Maui and Sun business with those guys Maui and Sun's came along yeah, that was the kind of the, the changing of like surf retail when it was coming just from like boards and leashes right. and a, you know wax yeah. necessity stuff to like apparel. Right. Yeah. So you rode, you got a, you got in, you Reaching got the hard goods, crowd. then you got the skate boom, and then you got the apparel boom, all like yeah. back to back to back. Right. Kept on. That's what right. they kept that was a tr- uh, turning point. Skate. Yeah. Skate was starting to boom. That's yeah. So right. Funny. And then you know. Yeah. You know, Lightning Bolt, you have yeah. Maui and Sun, Town and Country. Country. Yeah. yeah. Channel Islands a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Wait, was it hard to get boards from, you know? Um, like, yeah, West, I mean, you know, what was your board, surfboard assortment like? Yeah, no, at that time, we, we kept a really, really good selection of boards. And like I say, those, like, the two brands we did the most business with back in the earlier times of the store were... Town and Country and Channel Islands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we had a we had a really good board assortment at the time because there was there was a much more solid uh, surf crowd, surf yeah, culture in place at that point. For 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 you guys, like you know, you, like you get lackluster waves. Yeah, you can make it over to Hatteras and like small day trips was. Yeah. Um, was Central America or the Caribbean, like Caribbean or whatever? Um, came like, came along a lot later, you know. Yeah. The, the Caribbean and Central America, I think, as you as you got deeper into the '80s, that became a lot more common. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of, lot of, lot yeah. Of Early on, you know, a few people were going to Puerto Rico. Definitely, people were going to some spots in the Bahamas, but yeah, but travel was not as uh, well because you know we, we we were living vicariously through all the magazines back in the day, you know, and we'd see those like those spots like pop up, and you know, as soon as like you saw it in the mag, it's like that place becomes exposed and, and yep. becomes uh, a new destination. Right. But you guys are pretty close down here to like you know within a two, three hour flight yeah, to a lot of really good accessible wise. surf. I've got, got a one o'clock. Yeah. To... No worries. Uh, Lennon bounced out and he's going to come back. Just we'll, we'll say we'll say our goodbyes okay. and stuff and um, congratulate you on your 46th. You'll edit me 
out saying I've got a one o'clock. No, not even. <laughs> this is we're we're at a show, we're at okay. Surf Expo, yeah. and everybody's on schedules, and you got people to meet, enhance the shape. We get it, but uh, we appreciate the. The, the few minutes we had and we'd love to do a, a, a proper sit down in a you know a real long format oh, okay. and go through the, the history of BC because it's you know it's quite awesome yeah, yeah. so he's uh, got a one o'clock so he's, he's yeah. wrapping up this is kind of perfect yeah uh, it's a great good intro through? yeah we're good no like uh, since 1977 yeah you you know obviously you started uh, adding stores, uh, you started getting into snowboarding. You opened up a shop in Colorado, right? Like in, and you built Atlanta. Yeah. And you built it up to how many shops? We at the peak we had seventeen. Seventeen. Way, way down from that. Yeah. yeah. How many do you have left? We have nine. Nine. Which is still pretty strong. Still plenty That's to huge. plenty to juggle. Yeah. And um, over the years. Like we talked off air, you've employed thousands of people. Yeah, I'm sure over the life of the company, yeah, yeah probably probably in the area of a couple of thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you you donate to local charities, you donate to local fundraisers, yeah. you pay tax exorbitant amount of taxes yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So and that's you, and your livelihood in the community of like all these you know pillars, whether it's in snow or skate or surf, and, and most likely all three, depending and, on where you're at. And I think it's critical to say, as far as whatever success we've had, the a, a huge, huge part of what has made it work is the people we've had working. Oh in yeah, we've got we've got incredible probably employees. in the area of more than ten people that have been with BC 30 plus years. I was going to say We've that. got a lot, yeah. of pe- lot of people that have been with us 20 or yeah. more years. That's awesome. Pine, how long yeah, has Pine, Pine been with you? Pine probably started with us around 87 yeah. or 88. Yeah. JJ Slack was with you JJ for a long was with us, time. Yeah, before that. Kurt, I don't know if you know Kurt Hurley. Yeah, yeah. Runs our Deerfield store. He, he was gone with his own store for a long time in California, but over the years, he's been with us on and off since probably 78. Yeah. Huge. So amazing. Yeah. yeah. So amazing. Well, well, congrats on, you know, yeah. all yeah, your success. Thank you, thank and you for always supporting our brands. You bet. Yeah. We're, we're re- you guys are ready for review projects, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, We'll give a shout out to Ava. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those guys are awesome. Those guys are awesome. Um, Wait. Bruce, thank cool. you so much. Yes. Thanks, guys. Take it out of your hat. We'll get a commercial. Yeah. Peace. Thanks. Just super loud into this, all right? Okay. Moving up. You're good. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky Podcast. And we're back. Surf Expo Day 2. Woo! OG rep of the East Coast. What else? What else has? Photographer, book guy. <laughs> this guy does it all. Mark Newstetter. What's your uh, middle uh, nickname? Uh, Newy. 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 N-E-W-Y? N-E-U-Y. And they used to call me Newsy when I worked at Rip Curl. And then they called me Newt when I worked at Rusty. I got like five 
different nicknames. Awesome. <laughs> and I answered all of them. Yeah. <laughs> As you should. They're all good. You yeah. Know? Guys with nicknames are usually well liked. Yeah. You had a lot of them, so you must be really well liked. Well, that, it's kind of a, a badge of honor too when you you know depending on who names it and what what's behind it. You know, there's always a story behind the nickname too. Yeah, it was some sort of um, uh, affection of love that always came in a, a weird way, but yeah. we'll, we'll take it. But seriously, congratulations. That's a huge honor to be inducted into the East Coast Hall of Fame. Uh, Jay and I actually went to the, to the ceremony last night, and I won't say it, but we left right after your speech. Well, nah, I think we went <laughs> downhill. Good move. Yeah, right after the yeah, we went downhill. No, it was really cool. I think it's you know special to you know have a celebration like that for people that have done yeah. so much. You know, well, you you got inducted for industry. Um, yes. Before we talk about your your career in in the surf industry, let's tell us how you, you found surfing. Oh, geez. Well, we'll, we'll start from the beginning. When I was about eight or nine years old, uh, we lived about you know, three, four blocks from the beach. And my mom and dad, uh, you know, growing family, it was a small little house. Probably, In Jersey? Yeah, probably like not even 1,500 square feet. And there's three of us, you know, five of us all together, my sisters. And um, uh, my mom found an oceanfront house in town. And it was a beauty. And nice. she said, let's go. $31,000. Wow. Oceanfront Ocean. house. Okay, it's New Jersey. Yeah, it gets a little cold, but, you know, summers and it's still oceanfront, right? So, uh, out of nowhere, I was, uh, my, my backyard was the beach. My backyard was the ocean. And, you know, I got exposed to... This I didn't even know it was a lifestyle. It was just like, okay, this is where I you play. People out yeah. there, you just knew surfing was there. So you know, in the beginning, we uh, we were kids that you go to the five and dime store and you get these blow up rafts, um, and we were all young and. You know, surfing was too dangerous. You're, you're just a young kid, and the boards weigh 40 pounds. You can't do that. So we rode rafts, uh, you know, which in modern times, it's, you know, <clears throat> boogie boards and stuff like that. So, But blow-up rafts. Yeah, blow-up rafts. Rubber blow-up rafts. And I started with a bunch of friends in the Margate Raft Club. So there was just a raft club. So we yeah we started. We had our own little cool thing, and everybody had their rafts, and you know uh, they were always getting holes in them. We were always patching them, and we figured out how to put fins on them, you know, so we could stand up on them. So you know, ten years old, we're standing up. We got fins on these things, and. We're burning them out. Like, where did you get them? Whatever we could figure out. We, we, you know, we just glued them on. We glued them on and taped them on. Whatever we could, any way we could figure out to do it. It didn't work, but we tried. That's awesome. (laughs) Now, was there surfers? Uh, Oh yeah, surf. Now we're talking. This is 65, 66, 67. You know, 11, 12 years old, and. It's Beach there Boys. A surf scene? Oh no, the scene was huge. Oh, it's huge. Huge. Okay. And Margate's a little town where we had um, more surf beaches, like per capita, than any town like in New Jersey. It was ridiculous. It's only a mile and a half long, and I think we had five surf beaches. So every other lifeguard stand was like a surf beach. 
So that was kind of cool. The participation was off the hook. It There's was, a lot of surfers. Oh my god! It you know, in the Woodstock days, and Beach Boys, and you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll were like. You know, the guys were smoking weed on the beach, and people were looking at them, the older guys. And it was it was just, you know. The parents were like, you're not going to be a surf bomb, are you? <laughs> that, that was kind of the vibe back then. It was kind of, kind of the outcast. Like, yeah. the surfers were kind of the gritty, like, outcast, kind of derelict. So yeah, yeah. We're talking transitioning from the clean beach blanket bingo to the more psychedelic. Well, yeah, now we're talking... Hendrix, yeah, yeah, you know Joplin, uh, you know Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, yeah, well, it's war times too, and there's a lot of like, you know, a lot of crazy like things going on in the world. Yeah, and beach blanket bingo, the flower power, smoking weed, doing tune in, drop out. Yeah, I mean, we were young, we weren't doing that, but yeah. the older kids were, and yeah. you know, everybody was drinking, you know, partying. Old cars and vans and you know all yeah. that stuff. What was your first board, or did you borrow? So, so here's a, here's a good little backstory. So I begged and borrowed and sat on the beach and watched all the older kids surf. And whenever they would come in, I'd be like, "Can I can I can I go out and catch a few waves? Like ten minutes, fifteen minutes?" And they would always be like, 20 minutes, and that's it. Yeah. So I'm going back out." So, you say that you have that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so cool. I was in this rotation of just sitting there and like waiting for somebody to come in so I could paddle out and catch waves. But I didn't really get my first, my own board until I was 13. So I'm Jewish. You have a bar mitzvah. Yeah. And, you know, my dad takes me to the local surf shop. And I was just at the um, Heritage uh, Cultural Center in California. So I see this board, I, I, I went with my son, and it said, Jeffrey Dale. And I was like, oh my God, I had a board that was a Jeffrey Dale. So they were made in like uh, Santa Ana, and it was a guy, Jeffrey and Dale Velzi. Oh, wow. And they did a collaboration in the beginning in the late, um, in the late 60s. So that was my first surfboard. It was kind of an obscure name. It wasn't a Knoll or a Weber, you know, or, you know. What kind of like shape that. was it? Uh, well, I was a little kid, so I, I was an 8.6, you know. That was like... Shortboard. Shortboard for, you know, <laughs> yeah. little grommet weighs 100 fin. pounds. Single oh, fin. yeah, single fins, tail block, a whole nine. Yeah, so that that was when I got my first board. Nice. And, and, and was there a progression on that, or just kind of like we out, like catching waves and you know no I mean I learned how to ride it no we were I was paddling out no foamies it was catching real waves I started surfing competition like almost immediately when I got that board wow so when I first started I mean they started you know schlepping me to the contest and we had a good team and I basically started to place in the boys division you know like 13 and then, I, you know, I started to do a little better, and I started to win, and next thing I'm on the team team, and now I'm getting boards, and, you know. Yeah. So, that was kind of the progression. So, who, who, was, uh, who was some of the older surfers, was there some older surfers that you guys look up to? Well, look, I, I recognized one of the older surfers yesterday. Let's take a quick pause real quick, so, you know, so who? Okay. Older we back on? Yeah. Okay, so, um, 
I recognized one uh, guy last uh, night who, his name's Mike Beshin. So, you know, there's a long lineage of um, Beshin surfers, and you guys know who Shane Beshin is, and Gavin, and their sons. And then, you know, the the superstar offspring is Noah now. So, Mike, um, you know, he was like three, four years old, but he took me under his wing. We went to all the contests together, and he pushed me. And he was an incredible surfer himself. He was a top East Coast surfer. So that's who I, I you know, looked up to and was a There's a lot of contests going on. Oh, yeah. We were, we were running all over the place. Not, not as many as today. But yeah. What kind of wetsuits? Like, surfing all year round? Shitty wetsuits. <laughs> Freeze your ass in wetsuits. Yeah, you're talking about like crazy, you know, changing of elements and tides and, or, and water temps and everything. So, you know, we had this, um, um, what did we have? We, we had this brand called Parkway Wetsuits and uh, it was a dive company. So, you know, back in the early days, we had dive company wetsuits uh, with beaver tails. They were tops, they were bottoms, they leaked, they, uh, they were terrible, you froze. Were you guys setting fire, fires on the beach and stuff and warming up around the fires, or was that too... No, we were, we were just running back to our house in our car to get, yeah. just get warm. That's so wild. Like, to, to, like, what you guys had to go, you know, yeah. like, you're talking about, like... Did you do the whole Vaseline thing, rough. too? And, or is yeah. that no, I mean, some people did that, but we didn't do that. And, you know, we just... Um, people put Vaseline on their faces. Yeah, because of the wind chap and yeah. just to stay warmer and everything. But, man, yeah. you get that mixed up in any part of your board, your toast. I'm telling you, um, the only the only good thing was is I couldn't drive. I was too young, and I surfed right in front of my house. So I would stay in the water as long as I possibly could freezing my ass off and then I run back to my house which is only like 100 hours 100 yards away and you couldn't even put the hot water on because everything just frozen you're you're frozen and it would burn so I remember uh, those days it would be like even the cold water lukewarm would still like you get itchy they're like 20 degrees colder difference yeah (laughs) even colder I mean you know I always got yelled at for taking these super long hot showers you gotta run out of hot water get out of there yeah what was, what was your, like, surf shop, like, hangout or, like, the local... Uh, reef, reef surf shop. Reef. Reef surf shop, yeah. That's where you guys went and yeah. checked the mags and hung out and... It was, you know, after school and on the weekends and... I worked in the shop when I was a kid, so I would sell boards and, you First know... First job? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 14, 15, 16, whatever it was. And, um... Here's an interesting fact. You guys haven't asked me this, but I'll tell you. Anyway, so when I was about 17, 16 or 17, uh, we were one of the biggest Jacob Surfboards dealers in the country. Jacobs. Jacob Surfboards. We all rode for Jacobs. And I... Hermosa Beach. Yeah, Hermosa Beach, Hap Jacobs. And I had a contract. I still have the contract. And I got paid $2 a board for every board sold in the shop. From, from uh, for the first hundred boards Jacobs. from Jacobs. Wow. For the first hundred boards. And then the second hundred boards, I would get $3 a, a board. So, I mean, in a weird way, I was kind of like a professional surfer. Yeah. But I yeah, really yeah. wasn't. But Was this paid 
through the company or through the surf shop? Like through Jacobs? Or you know, I, I don't know. remember who actually, you know, did the math the and, you know. Yeah. No, my uncle was a judge, uh, was an attorney, and he, he, he drew up the contract. Nice. I still have a copy of it. Wow. That's awesome. So, did Reef come up with this, or did, did uh, have Jacobs come up with this? Um, I think it was a collaboration of everybody. Like, I'm on the team. I'm working in the store. I'm selling around. hundreds of your boards. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, can we get a little vig? You know, for you, for doing. Were you literally selling that many boards? Yeah. So surfing, surfing was fucking. It was. It, it was happening. It, it was the action sport, extreme sport of the era. Yeah. Like instead of everybody just going to the, the beaches, which they did every summer, like they went down the beaches and they were surfing now. Like it was like the the, the, the beach got crowded. I mean, even the, the like the, some of the nerdy kids, you know, like yeah. that weren't really surfers. They had a surf. You wanted to look. You wanted to look. And like they a had surfer. to get out there and they had yeah. to surf. It's cool because we both come from putting surfing sport. Yeah. I took care of the boardroom and I remember selling a lot of boards out of there and when you're doing it and you're thinking there's no way that anybody has done what we're doing we're not we sold over a thousand boards and so and then over the years I feel I've I've learned that it's happened before you know like yeah like Greg Wade had told me dude we'd sell you know a couple thousand boards a month and we're like what like you did when? Yeah. And I'm sure it was happening over there. Well, you know, we had a window that was, you know, basically spring, summer, fall. But, um, you know, in California, it was kind of more year-round. Yeah, yeah. But when it turned off, it turned off. Yeah. So, first sponsor, Reef, Hap Jacobs. And then there was another, we, we had an East Coast guy. His name was Tinker. He had a brand called Challenger Eastern Surfboards. And we were one of the biggest Challenger Eastern surfboards. So there was a time, maybe it was before Jacobs or after Jacobs, that I was uh, riding for Challenger Eastern. Um, and Tinker, uh, he, he was a West Coast guy. And he um, worked in the California surfboard industry. He worked, you know, for Wardy. He worked in the South Bay. And then he wound up in San Diego at a place called Challenger Surfboards. And he was making surfboards in the factory. And he realized half of the boards we're making were shipping to the East Coast. And particularly New Jersey. Wow. So he packed up. Set up shop. And he set up shop up in North Jersey, in uh, Neptune, New Jersey, near uh, Belmar. And he imported all his, his, his guys from the West Coast. Great surfers, Michelle Junot, Dean Yamani, all these guys. They came out, they made boards, and they surfed. And then I was part of the um, Challenger Eastern surfboard factory team, uh, like a, a little bit step above the surf shop guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we know shipping's like crazy expensive, you know. And, and yeah. um, I mean, why wouldn't you move to a booming like area that's got great business? The uh, factory, so Shaper, Glasser, Sanders, like he brought like the whole setup. Yeah, and he 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 was the. He was the ringleader, and I think he shaped a little bit, but, yeah. you know, he was just managing, getting, you know, all the raw materials and the factory. And Would shapers the, ever come, like West Coast shapers or Hawaii shapers, would they come tour and do, like, 
shapes and blanks, or was everything kind of pre-built where they're from and shipped finished? No, you had a you had a raw blank and you shaped it from start to finish. We had a guy named Jim Phillips, I think, that worked in the factory. He was pretty um, yeah. successful, popular um, shaper. Nice. So what, what, did you, what did you do after your surf shop? Did you go pro? Did you continue surfing? or did you... um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I had a pretty strong competitive career. I was always finishing, um, you know, first or second in the, you know, Eastern Championships, and you know I had, you know, my point totals were really high. And, you know, I was like the ESA champion with points uh, when I was a junior, and then I, I went to California a couple times, surfed in the U.S. Surfing Championships, nice. Huntington Beach, uh, 1972 or three, finished third. Uh, Lenny Foster won that year uh, in my division. He was from Newport Beach. And, uh, you know, it was 50,000 people on the beach. Yeah. Uh, what contest? The yes. U.S. Championships in Huntington. Yeah. So here I am. Now I'm about 18 years old. I'm sitting on the stage. You know, it's the awards ceremony. And there's David Nueva, Corky Carroll, Dale Dobson, uh, you know, many guys that I can't even remember their names. Brad McCall. Legends. But, like these are the these are the guys that are all over the magazines. Yeah. They all have board contracts. They all have their own models. And I'm sitting there. I'm just like, oh my god, David Nueva, you know. So um, then I, I enrolled in Orange Coast College. I I went to the championships. I moved stay out here. Moved to Newport. And uh, you know, so my first year, I, I moved to uh, Newport and was going to OCC. And excuse me, did you? pro or anything? Or? Well, I was kind of like, maybe you called semi-pro. Yeah, he surfed some pro contests. But like... Um, were, you, were you getting your name in the magazine? Oh, yeah. I was sponsored. I got, uh, you know, plenty of ads, you know, with... Uh, one of my sponsors was Surfer House Wetsuits. Uh, Rick Surfer James House Wetsuits? Yeah. They were out of Fulton or, or, you know, Fountain Valley or something. But your con- competitive and travel experience was just mostly domestic, East Coast, West Coast. Yeah, and, so yeah. here's a good little backstory. I'm, I'm on the stage, and uh, it's uh, Dale Dobson and Jeff Crawford. They had this um, incredible final. It was best out of three. That was so cool. I don't know if you've, yeah. you know the story. But, you know, Crawford won one, Dobson won the next one, and Dobson pulled, like, this big 360 right into the pier at the last minute, and the crowd went nuts. So we're on stage, and I'm talking to Jeff, you know, after the award ceremony. I said, so what are you going to do? He goes, oh, I'm going to Hawaii, man. I go, you are? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm going to surf pipeline. I said, you're going to go mix it up with Jerry and all those guys? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to be dropping in behind Jerry. Wow. And I'm like, man, this guy is this, Who's this nice. big kahunas, yeah. Jeff Crawford. Okay. Three years later, he, he was right? the first East Coast Florida guy, and he was the, I think, 75 pipeline uh, master's champion. Wow. Dang. Now, for me, I was a little more practical. I had my parents on one end, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't start forever. (laughs) This is not your, like, you know, and the other side of me is all my guys are going to Hawaii to, like, you know, make a name for themselves. So, yeah. You know your talent, and you're 
you feel you're good enough to fucking oh yeah I, I could have gone and, and grinded out easily I mean you know I was fit as a dog and you know I mean you know yeah big waves that you get a little nervous but I wasn't like you know scared to death yeah but so I kind of like wanted to keep the folks happy live the dream I'm in California I can surf I work in the surf industry and then you know the, these these things that happen in your life that are unexpected you don't know where why and how they line up and the stars in the moon and all that shit so my next door neighbor on 39th street moves in and is David Nueva no way I'm like you gotta be kidding me yeah, and all the places to live, you chose there, and he lives. And right next thing I know, this guy is the Jimi Hendrix of surfing. He is the man, and we became best friends. And we started. We were best friends. We hung out. I eat at his house. We'd go out and eat. I'd go on his interviews, and then the next thing I know, I'm working for him. So he opened up a shop in Newport Beach one summer. Hey, why don't you run the shop? So I, I ran the David Nueva surf shop in Newport. That is incredible. Uh, and that was when he had Dino Manufacturing. They had the best of the best of the legendary shapers, whether it was Terry Martin, yeah. or Steve Walden, and you know, yeah. goes on and on. And, and on. he went through that kind of phase where he was in the longboard era, then it came down to the, 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 the short boards and, you know, the twin fins, and that's where he, you know, really excelled. Yeah, he, he used to surf. We, you know, all the jetties, 39, 50, you know, 6, 41st, whatever. He was the fish king. Yeah. And he had that just classic Hawaiian wide stance with a lot of flair. So we, we got to be pretty tight. So Dude, how was it? those parties you guys I to? know, right? How many times <laughs> you tell you, man? It was, uh, it, it was hard, man. Yeah. Talking talk about... he knows how to party. Surf, he star. is... The rock star of surfers, like he takes the cake. Yeah. He is the Mick Jagger man of yeah. freaking. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You you were his wingman. Oh, and he. <laughs> and I was his wingman, and you know, like he would dress up in like dusters and coats and yeah, flamboyant, huge, huge bell bottoms. Yeah, and he had a white jag, and he had this big Great Dane, and this chick that looked like she was right out of like you know Beverly Hills. No. How did that, it, that thing that um, the incident where the local school was born in Ocean Beach was that during that time or before, no. was that before? Okay, so that actually was the year that I had just finished surfing in the U.S. Championships, and the World Contest was in Ocean Beach, and it was I think in October. That contest was like right at the beginning of September. And I didn't know David then. Uh, I actually was at the contest, and I watched it, because my friends lived in OB. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, you knew who all these people were, but I, I wasn't were, friendly. Were friend. yeah, yeah. with them. I hadn't met, I hadn't met them yet. How did, how, how did the surf shop do? Were you slinging boards? Or yeah, I mean, it was a small little satellite shop. Yeah. I, you know, if I sold a half a dozen boards a day, that was like, that was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, because that's what the search shops were. Like, they were yeah, just boards. Board tees, baby. Yeah. I think we had leashes in 72 or 3 or 4. Um, but, you know, it was pretty bare bones. And it was small. And then where'd you go from there? You got to, you were going to college, and what was your aspirations there? Like, what, uh, just to take classes, keep the parents happy? The story gets even better. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
um, I through my surfboard sponsor Rick James Surfboards uh, he's, he moved from South Bay he was one of the greatest production shapers of all time he worked for Jacobs he worked for everybody in the South Bay but he moved down to San Clemente and his friend Harold Walker Walker Foam bought a building in San Clemente and they carved out a shaping room for Rick so Rick James set up in San Clemente. He had great team guys. Um, and I used to go in there and watch him shape all my custom surfboards. It cost me at least a six pack, sometimes two if I would ask him too many questions. Because he would slow down all the time. You wonder how many people never really got that opportunity. You know, they just go into the shop and, and see the finished product and not really like watch the process. It's yeah. like it's pretty, and especially when it's for you. Like there are pieces of art, works of art, you know. And so Harold Walker is making Walker foam, and Rick is shaping boards. And I'm in there two, three times a week just watching everything. And so Harold comes up to me and he says, hey, listen, I um, I need somebody to like drive, sell blanks, part-time to start. Mm. Would you be interested? I said, yeah, sure. Well, what do you want me to do? He says, well, we're selling, you know, from Ventura to San Diego. These are our customers. You got to get out on the road. So here I am, I'm 20 years old. I'm driving a 20-foot box truck. We got no GPS. We got no nothing. We got no cell phones. I don't know where the hell I'm going. And I'm on the freeway, driving all over the place. Got my board in the back because if I, you know, go up to Natural Progression or William Dennis or whatever, I surf Malibu or C Street. Which is a huge plus of the, the job yeah. description, you know? Like, hey, you get to so, dr drive, but you get to surf. Yeah. Clark Foam was already out. No. Clark Foam was like 80% of the market share already yeah we, we had the rest we well what we did well, we did things that were hard we did custom you know um, glue ups for uh, a lot of we had a guy in ha named Hannafin in Newport I forget Hannafin. his name yeah. yeah and you know he's always asking for like crazy glue ups triple stringers with colors you know colors in between and all this crazy stuff so, you know, Harold was kind of cool. He's like, you know, these things are like a little too involved. We'll do them, but, you know, let's try and just sell a little bit more, you know, regular stuff. <clears throat> but a lot of people like Walker Foam. And, um, you know, I was I was delivering bikes uh, to Wayne Brown. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, he was a big HP guy. Yeah, big HP. So I got to know the surfboard industry out of nowhere. From a different angle. So you were the delivery guy for Walker, and that's how you started Repping. building your network. Pretty much. Yeah. And that was after Nueva Shop. But did you do that? On yeah, no, that was probably that was probably oh, after. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and what was your rent? Were you able to make ends meet, like no problem doing these two jobs, or was it scraping? No, I mean, rent was. You'd share a two-bedroom place. It was like a hundred dollars a month. Ah. So you were you were living in Newport, yeah, 38th Street. Street. Yeah. So tell us about like the Newport. How 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 different was it from Jersey 
and then you're living in Newport, and you're like, wow, California, California girls, lifestyle, waves, you know, pumping like all the time. Sunny Not really, but yeah. Well, let me tell you, it was a tough time because you're young, and everybody wants to party, and it's like insanity. And it's like, and I, but the, the good thing is I, I like to play music, so you know, eat a little buzz, play some music. It kind of kept me away from like the raging, like party all night. What instrument? Uh, guitar. So I serenade in the yeah. chair. I say, come back after the beach. I'll play you a song. Yeah. yeah, we had chicks that played and sing too. And yeah. you know, we have fun with that. That's the kind of vibe. That's a good. That's a good. So, um, but it wasn't really a lot different than where I grew up because, <coughs> excuse me, you know, I lived in a beach town, and I lived like five, you know, three blocks from the beach. I lived on the beach. It was all cookie cutter. So. We were used to the lifestyle, you know, there wasn't much to get used to. Yeah. You know, yeah, okay, we had trestles, and, you know, you had, you know, sunset cliffs. Because you know. Jersey has great waves, but it's, you, you never experienced it like, you, like California, right? Like, don't get me wrong, we know that Jersey has the juice, but the, 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 the convenience of, you know, no wetsuits, warm water, you know, and, and the jetties were there already, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And, and the, the multitude of, of places all around, right? Yeah, I mean, we had, um, we had we had the magic moments when the hurricanes would come yeah. by. Yeah, yeah. Want to drink water? Peace. Hold on. Where were we? You were talking about, or I was asking you about how different California East Coast, living, West Coast. Yeah. yeah. And you were, you're like a kid in a candy store, right? Kid in a candy store. I gotta I got tell you, I mean, this is how insane it was living in Newport back in those days. A buddy of mine from Jersey, <clears throat> he lives around the corner, and <clears throat> there's about three or four of us. And he goes, uh, Let's go and see David Bowie tonight. <laughs> I got tickets. We're going up to the Hollywood Palladium. I'm like, really? Okay. So you know, we get a little, um, we get a little charged up, and we get to the Hollywood Palladium. It's like three, four thousand people, and it was the freak show of the freak shows, yeah. man. The people were all dressed up. It looked like Halloween on steroids. Bowie did at, at least ten costume changes, and it was it was you know like them was changes for sure. Oh, he it was incredible. And that, that's the beauty about like where we live in Huntington, Orange yeah. County, is the accessibility close, close to enough, like yeah. you know close enough to get up there, but it's far enough away to you know stay out of the, the LA scene. You know, and the, we were driving back then. You know, we were like. Well, make it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no traffic like there is today. You're up and oh. back in no time. But you yeah. guys are out of your minds too, like partying. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't want to let your imagination. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you're, you know, this um, delivery of uh, blanks and stuff. You network, and then what does that turn into? A career? Or, well, or um, more side hustles. It was about, um, you know, I went. Back to college. I moved back east, and I actually went back to college, and I finished uh, at Stockton University what, what in was, Jersey. Uh, <clears throat> why did you move back? Um, I was in between, 
and what I did was I started my own surfboard company. What? Well, yeah. I, I started a brand called Intervision Surfboards. And, um, uh, you know, since I knew about surfboards, I figured, yeah. yeah, I might as well start my own brand. So I did that for a couple years, and but I was going the, to school back east in, in, okay. in Jersey. And um, were you shaping, or were you just? Uh, I I was kind of like, you know, creating a brand. I was designing and creating a brand. I wasn't grinding out the foam. I was working with the shapers. You know, I used uh, Dan Heritage. You know, he glassed all the boards, sanded all the boards, and nice. all that. Yeah. So we uh, we did that for a while, and then. Um, I graduated uh, college and I had a marketing degree and uh, with uh, you know big uh, uh, you know emphasis on photography. So I started my mar- marketing and sales agency and you know advertising, and um, I started doing that. Started working on projects. And next thing you know, I get a letter from Bob McNona out of nowhere. Rip Curl's looking for somebody to run sales on the West Coast, marketing, advertising. And eventually be national sales manager and you know we basically started Rip Curl USA from nothing wow such a trip yeah that, and, and globally the brand was probably doing like 3 million maybe 4 million and, and, and what was your how did they get your name and just Bob McNona suggested he, he thought I'd be the right fit for the job yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just hey, this guy's core. He's a core surfer. Huh? Yeah. yeah, unexpected life letter. Changing. Life changing. Changed yeah. my life. I told you about it last night. Yeah. So core surfer. Steve guy's got a good hit on his shoulder. I'm out of here. Yeah. Nice meeting you, Steve. Yeah. Thanks, brother. <clears throat> yeah. So that just world game changer. Game changer. And at that point, I think we should probably um, cut. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk. Connect. Yeah. If you want to. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, I'll tell you guys real quick. Yeah, give us a quick rundown okay. of this. this so, is a book that's oh, coming out. I, I got a book coming out. It's called I Heard There Were No Waves in New Jersey. And uh, th- it couldn't be farther from the truth if you've been watching the Internet for the last month or so. Um, and this is a, a project that we started a while ago. Uh, it's four of us involved. Um, we, we have a guy who has the photos from the 60s, and they used my photos from the 70s and the 80s. We cut it off at the uh, OP Pro in 1984 that came to Atlantic City, New Jersey. Wow. And that was the last biggest contest. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. There was one other one or two. But at the time, this was like... That was a big one. This was it, yeah. So we had the OP Pro, and... Um, it's uh, going to be out in April, and you can um, go to Amazon, and it's going to be published by Rizzoli Publishing. It's a hardcover book. It's about 250 pages. It's going to be a little bit of a collector's item, $55, and um, we're, we're excited. So yeah. good, good storyline, good content, amazing photos. It's all, it's yeah. all in there. It's, it captures the essence of what the beach lifestyle was in New Jersey, you know, from the beginning to, you know, the mid-80s. Mid so, I know you want, you got to go, but I wanted to get the Jimmy Z story. Are we going to wait till the... <laughs> yeah. For the second half, or you want we'll me to... wait for the second half. Okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. Love you guys. Love you. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Peace.
Surf Expo 2024. This is, this is it. There we go. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chocolate Podcast. Day Surf two. Expo. Blowing up. Day two. Evan Gonsman. Boys, Dude. welcome to Florida. Yes. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank Thanks you. for inviting us yes, and letting us in your uh, beautiful state. <laughs> right here. off the back. Congratulations yep. on your new sponsorship. Yeah, it's good. I'm Free Fly. Yeah. Um, we're stoked because our good friend, oh, Mikey Mike. Riley. Yeah, sir. You know, so Seal Beach. Yep. Um, Yep. One of our homies. Yeah, right. we're stoked that he landed in a great company and then they're making moves to, you know, grab great right athletes. And it's they grab the right guy because Mike's gonna come in, he has that vision, he has the experience. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Yeah, so this is new to me. I just signed with them this beginning of this year and um, I'm excited. I'm they're they're kinda right up my avenue, surfing and fishing. That's all yeah. that's that's kinda my MO right now nowadays. So Good. It'll be that's an exciting Florida, right? That's Florida. That's the red. That's the redneck. That's what we live at the beach, and we're always either on the boat or on a surfboard. I, so yeah. I feel like surf, uh, not surf, uh, fishing has been kind of exploding, even on our on the west coast, on the west coast yeah. and the youth. Like I see kids riding bikes, just Huntington, where they're going to the the Newport, you know, like uh, harbor or the river jetties, and every kid has like a fishing pole on his fucking e-bike with his board. I mean, what else do we know? We grew up at the beach. Yeah, we're surfing all the time. I mean, fishing comes second nature i mean if you're someone that i know a lot of my friends they fish to eat i mean yeah there's so many different ways you can do it but i mean i think that's where that's where a lot of uh oh cool thanks bro thank you thank you it's a promo eco yeah um but yeah it goes hand in hand i mean i've traveled the world 30 years old now there's so many i wish this was more of a thing when i was younger because i've fished since i was eight years old yeah and we're going to all these remote locations and some of the best waves in the world with the best fisheries in the world. So it'll be a, it's a cool chapter. Yeah. It's a cool chapter. It'll be fun. Um, can, for those of us that don't know much about you, yep. you were born and raised in Florida. Yep, let's stop. My name's Generation. Evan, yeah, yeah, my name's Evan Geiselman. I'm 30 years old. I grew up in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. I moved out to California when I was 16. Jason, you know, had a great amateur career, junior career. And yeah, aspirations to be a pro surfer. We're still yeah. here. We're living the dream. Yeah, and you got deep roots, like family heritage and surf, like in your yeah. family. Yeah. So uh, my brother Eric Geiselman, he, yep. he's uh, five and a half years older than me, but I got You're to. You're that far apart. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So I got to. I come from a surfing family. My mom surfed. My dad. They they, they both started Orion Surfboards. Yeah. And well, that's you guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So Orion Surfboards. My dad, Greg Geiselman, and. Um, I rented my dad's board between him and some mayhems here and there, and it's just, my dad's awesome. He loves his craft. I love I love working with my dad on that level because he's literally trying to make me, he puts so much effort into my boards, and I see what, a lot of people don't know how much effort it takes to make a surfboard, and yeah. It's, yeah. it's an art. It's an art. It's a craftsmanship. you got to want to do it yeah. to a degree. So. And that, that shaper-athlete relationship dynamic is crazy, but to even have it as your dad has got to be like, it's cool. It's yeah. got to be cool. It's frustrating, but cool. And I <laughs> keep it as raw as I can with them, too. So if he shapes me a lemon, lemon I'm not soft about it with my dad. Yeah. yeah. So he takes it well. And yeah. we, we don't get many lemons, but it's cool. He knows how I surf. Yeah. He's super into it. And I feel like I've been getting some of the best surfboards in the last, really, when COVID happened, I got to work with them that much closer. Yeah. I've got some of the best surfboards in my life in the last two years, which is weird. It's weird to think about. It's how, cool. how, how do people, yeah. like, does he have a shop or does he, how does yeah. he get, how do, how do you promote his boards? Like, so my dad, yeah, he's been shaping for 30 years. 
before I, I mean, yeah, he had his business before I was even born. Yeah. So he's been, he's loved it. He was a pro surfer back in the day, doing a lot of ASP East. So storefront wow. or? Storefront, no, he has a factory. Factory, so, yeah, so just he has right, a, he factory. Has a big, big warehouse. Um, we live in New Smyrna, a town right next to us south is uh, Edgewater, so that's where he shapes out of, and he shapes, slams, sands, everything gets done in that one one building, awesome. and yeah, just delivers, drives up and down the east coast, and yeah, So, so 16, you move out, your parents stay here, mom moved out, how did you, like, yeah. what, your brother was already established on the west coast, or? So, long story short is, my sparring partner at that time was Kolohe, we both rode for the same same teams, Red Bull, Hurley Hugh, I think he had Nike or whatever, but we were at Nike, like we both were on a lot of similar teams, he was my best friend. Yeah. So I lived with him, with Dino, Tina, and his, his, his sisters, and I lived with Chloe, and my brother, obviously, he was, we weren't close enough for me to be on his level, what he was doing at that time. Yeah. So we both kind of came together, we looked, it's like, we gotta be in California. So I graduated like 16 and a half, and I just went straight to California. Cool. We had a place in San Clemente, and lived out there till yeah about 22, 23. What a great sparring partner to have, Kolohe and the yeah, and Dino yeah. family. Like yeah, oh just, my god, I can't thank them enough. Dino was like a second dad. I mean, we were doing boat trips to the midwife being there, back to back boat trips in the summer when we were 10, 12 years. You know, that yeah. black hole. We lived a crazy, crazy childhood growing up in yeah. that. So you guys are fun. definitely blessed with talent. Yeah. I appreciate and it. You're thank born you. in in surf like. Like, kind of the golden era of like, yeah. you know, like they 
just you know the youth program had like elevated like tenfold our, yeah. during your, that our kind class, of group. Yeah. Our class was really really strong. I felt like it was coming up too in the in the boom of the surf era that 2010. You know, like when surfing was really cool and had a lot of you know a lot of cash getting thrown everywhere and like yeah we're like. But it was like, kids, yeah, we got, we got I, feel, blessed. We got I feel like 15, 16 was kind of like that age bracket where like you knew like, hey, that kid's going to be really good. And then your generation was like 10, 12. Okay, that kid's tw- like just that elevated, like how good and how fast these kids were progressing with the right support, the right equipment, you know, and the, the push. Yeah, the push. The push, the push was there. I mean, we were riding for night, like the companies, we did so many trips. That's what I'll never like, like companies, yeah. You're going all over the world at such a young age. We're doing, I think I did between, before 16, I think I did 18 boat trips. Damn! Think of that, like 18 boat trips before 16. Pretty wild, right? Like, it's pretty. pretty That is insane. That blows away. Yeah. It blows away me. Many many people's (laughs) lives. It's it's wild to think about. I remember that. Yeah. Pretty crazy, yeah. I think I I did like nine times in mentalities, yeah. But like. I, I, nine, nine, nine times I'm blessed, nine times not, not enough. It's I, crazy I, I, though, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I mean, like, to put it in perspective, from 16 now, I've done two boat trips. Yeah. How weird is that? It's like, it's just, it was a definitely a crazy, blessed time to be in the surf industry, for sure. I bring this up quite a bit when we talk to these coasters and point out how gnarly Florida is yeah. in producing is crazy coming out yeah. of Florida. Yeah, yeah. I feel between the Lopez's, there was such a good pop of, I mean, that was all our, that was our driving force of who we looked up to. I mean, CJ put such a big role because he, I've known CJ from such a young age too, and I always use him. Still one of my favorite surfers, but always looked up to CJ so much and Damien. Yeah. But um, in the Lopez's, they they live in the next town over from me, so I surf with Shay and Corey all the time, and it's just so like cool. when you have that talent around you. I mean, there's nothing else to do than get yeah. better. That's why I moved to California, because the talent was there. It's like, yeah. there's nothing to do that, that drives you, that pushes you. It's like, did you trip on, I mean, I knew you were coming out here quite a, coming out to California quite a bit, but then when you started living there, you're like, it's fucking good every day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely way, it's stunk, because I, I got so spoiled. Yeah. I, agree. I remember that fire, and so like, that's what the East Coast is known for. Everyone, like, you'll surf, it doesn't matter how shitty the waves yeah. are, you're surfing all day. Yeah. That's all you got, you know? Yeah. California, and that's why I think we have so many good surfers from here, just because when they go to good waves, they're not going to get out of the water. They're just going to, you're going to get better naturally. So it was. Yeah, we talked about that. It's like, you know, natural talent's a big factor, physique, a big yeah. factor, but the, the hungriness and, and, the, and the, the time spent in the water is what really makes there, a difference. There's nothing. You there's, can't. You can't be in the gym. You can't. There's nothing you can replace in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Best, so. The best workout and training for surfing is it's surfing. surfing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, but yeah, you guys are like fishes, man. It's like I, I don't know any Florida guy. It's like first in, last out. Like they are just fucking super yeah, popular. And, and it's cool because you look up and down the East Coast, all the talent. We have a lot of guys that charge. A lot of guys that are like you know, they go charge. out, charge. They get a good wave in the line. A lot of he got inducted Nolan. last night. Yeah. Baron was. Darling. I'd be paddling a pipe, like, be, like I'd be like, oh yeah, P, I'd be like, oh, and these guys are like behind the, yeah, dude, you go up north, you got Brett Barley, you got freaking Sam Hammers, you got yeah. freaking Baller, um, Will Sk- oh, it's just yeah, like, it's just, it's like, yeah, there's a little screw loose somewhere on yeah. the East Coast or something. <laughs> it's the cold water that jarred some yeah. brain cells. <laughs> but it, it, it's fun, it's cool, it's like, it's, because you gotta, you gotta kind of, from coming from the East Coast, you kind of gotta have something that kind of gets you some recognition. Yeah. You know, it's cool, so it, it, it's like, you know, 
we're all Americans, we're all part of the U.S., but, you know, East Coast really takes care of, like, their East Coast surfers, and they have, they have their own, like, niche, and it's their own, like, culture, yep. you know, even though it's part of the bigger picture, it's, like, it's really cool how much they embrace, like, if you're an East Coast surfer, you're, you're, Coast, yeah, you're getting... Right so much support where if like California and it's a little more jaded you go up to Santa Cruz they're like fuck you so Cal guy you even go down to like San Diego you know it's really clicky where I think they embrace you so much more there's definitely 1000% I'd even say that like it's a little saturated in California because everyone's very good too. Yeah. A lot of pro surfers, right? So it's not. It's a little more desensitized when another pro surfer shows up. You're like, oh fuck, here's another, another fucking guy taking away. Here it's like, Kalohe and the boys just came back. Like two percent, they just did a uh, video film. Yeah. The turnouts were so cool. How much joy that brought for the communities. Yeah. And it was like. That's what kind of we need more of. Yeah, I would say yeah. especially moving to make surfing come back. Yeah, I feel like it's when it's in a, we're in a weird, it's definitely weird, a weird day and age. Everyone says the COVID created so many more surfers. Yeah, but it hasn't created passionate for no, like poor surfing. Yeah, it hasn't. Poor surfing is pretty dead. It's home. pretty dead. Yeah, it's pretty dead. I mean, we live it, we breathe it, we see it more yeah. than most people. But when you really look at it, there's less. Uh, Especially with the younger kids. Yeah, so like we had luckily enough to surf class, you know, growing up and like it's part of the school, you know, like athletic program. And there was like every kid that like that was your dream to get on the surf team, you know, at high school. You know, everybody's doing their like, you know, NSSA, WSA, whatever contest, but like you wanted to have that niche and there were so many layers of good surfers because there's only 12 spots on like you know, the varsity you know, high school team. And there was probably 30 kids that are all battling for like 12 spots. Yeah. And now my son's a freshman at the school and it's like, I think there's like six kids that can actually like properly like rip and do competitive and like, you know, it's just like, there's a lot of kids still in the class, but the caliber of like talent is like low, a little lower. It goes back to the participant versus the core. I think what's sucking it up is San Clemente. (laughs) They're all moving to San Clemente, but we do have a handful of homeschool student, you know, kids that aren't, that could be on the team that aren't. Yeah, I will, they're keeping it core. I love what Chloe, Griffin, all those guys, I mean, that town, I might be the best surf surf town in the world. I was talent, talentful wise, yeah. I mean, right? Right I mean, now, it definitely Right now, 100%, yeah. I would yeah. say. It is the best surf town in the world. The camaraderie and community that they're strengthening every 100%. every day, every week, like yeah. the past couple of years, you're yeah. just like, and just, fuck, we want that here. Yeah. We want that, you know. We want that, yeah. It's, it's, it's good, though. Everyone, it's like the Brazilian storm. It's yeah. like, exactly. That started, what, 10 years ago, all the Brazilians took over, and now I feel like there's a nice, this is a good American crew. Yeah, yeah. That got fired up, and they're like, this is, this is our time to kind of go, and yeah, but Americans, and like, because I mean, pro surfing was Australia, I mean, not to call it how, how it was back in the day, it was Australia and US. Brazil, yeah. And then Brazil was the second fiddle, and now yeah. Brazil's taking Now you got all kinds of Japanese guys fucking starting to blow up. Yeah, it's a lot of guys. A lot of talent in the world now. Uh, Europe? Yeah, I mean, Europe stronger than ever. Yeah, it's crazy how like there's this the elevation of surfing in general, and like you hear about some of these, 
these people like how do you you know we speak of Florida how small it is but you know Puerto Rico and and, yeah I mean Portugal is like dreamy super dreamy but uh you know Italy you know you got you got Leo you got Spain Portugal yeah Yeah, there's a lot of good kids coming up too right now tell they're taking it with Mickey and Jeremy and all those guys they're they're cultivating a similar setup like they they just had that summer Destinations you go, or you kind of do quick strikes, or you yeah, film? I would say this year is the first, a little bit not, it's a shift, I would say in my career at this point. I was still kind of pretty full on trying to qualify last year, and I hurt my knee after the second event oh. on the Challengers, and I couldn't do the US Open, didn't do the last three events, so that being said, I, I, I just, yeah, I just signed with free flying, it's like passion, like I love fishing. I do. I love. I love what this company stands for, and they really, they love what I'm all about. Is surfing and going. We're going to Puerto Rico here in a couple weeks. We're gonna go cool. surf. We're gonna go target this tar- like tarpon, a very specific fish. We're gonna throw fly rods at it. We're gonna try to tell that story. So, however that comes across, it's kind of, it's a, it's a it's a new lane for me right now. Yeah. I really, I've been so contest driven for the last decade of my career. Yeah. And I, I've and getting com- clips, getting clips. Yeah. That's. That's what I want to do. I want to. I want to tell this kind of story, but I want to film. I, yeah. I haven't done it in ten years. I want to go get good waves. I'm burnt out on. How many surfing two foot shitty waves all the time? It's like yeah. yeah. You've gone to the mental ways many, many times. Yeah. How many different wave pools? The wave pool thing was has been a big focus the last few years. So I was working with Perfect Swell um, the last three years, and that's been that was an awesome relationship. That I they, they, with them. Did they bring you in as like a consultant, like train, like hey come? Yeah. So come I went in. the last. So Japan was their their newest pool since Waco. Yeah. Like, during COVID, so I flew over there and had to sit quarantine five days in a hotel. I didn't even know that. I thought I had like my visa's all good. I got flagged because I came from Florida, which was a hot spot for COVID or something. So they pulled me up, put me in like this little tiny room. I was like, no one speaks English, so I'm talking to the people and like whatever. Five days quarantine. Then I sat three weeks there. We made a million different waves. It was unbelievable. Such a cool experience. And um, really, the goal was if the Olympics looked like the 12 forecast was going to be a dud. It was going to be backup plan. Yeah, I don't think that was ever the uh, a conversation. The Olympics That's had, how but, they got it pushed through. But, like, yeah, like, it was there if they needed it. So that was cool, though, that I surfed with the U.S. team, and they came through before the Olympics, and I surfed with the Japan team. And it was fun. We just commissioned it. We made a yeah. bunch of waves. We made sure the waves were up to par. And then that happened, and then the following year, that's for the Super Silk. That thing looks like that looks like the best pool. Yeah, I mean that, that South Korea pool. one, but this like Waco and other pools, it's like one yeah. direction. Yeah. So and that one's going towards each other. Yeah, you, it's so the reason they had so much could make what they're envisioning is they had the pool is twice as big as any pool they've done. It's huge. It's unbelievable. It's huge. Yeah. The rides are like 30, I don't know, close to 30 seconds or something. I don't know the exact with, time. With multiple barrel and air sections. And multiple air sections. So, I don't know if I made this up in my head, but I remember seeing you doing air 
on the left, and the other guy going to an air on the right, coming yeah. towards each other. Yeah. Who was the other guy? My brother. Or yeah, regular Goofy. Yeah, it was me and Aaron. And then Miguel and Sammy Cooper were there doing the same thing with us. But so fucking rad. Dude, it was probably the, one of the most progressive sessions I've ever had. I've been really there for a day and a half. But surfing with Miguel, Sammy, Eric, and I, like, it was pretty insane. Yeah. Everyone was pushing each other. It's yeah. like you're getting the best air section over and over and over again. You're going to make something sick. I mean, the clips speak. I, think, I don't know. He did. Yeah, I don't say me. I think everyone had some standout moves. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to. Yeah, I think everyone was ripping really hard. Everybody had an X Factor move. Everyone had an X Factor move. You, your brother, Sammy, and Miguel. Yeah, it was cool. Fucking it. It was really fun. Really fun to be a part of. Goofy foot regular, goofy foot regular. Yeah. So we, and I'll say, we did plenty of time on the right, we did plenty of time on the left. So it was cool. Everyone got the opportunity. It was badass. Yeah. And Perfect Swell, they're the company that sells the tickets. Yes, so Perfect Swell is Waco, Perfect Swell is the Brazil pool, it's in Japan, so yeah, that is that, there's Wave Garden, there's Kelly's pool, they're all popping up, there's the Plunger pool, I don't even know what the name of it is, that looks fun. My my hope is that they all come together, they all take a lot of money to make, so hopefully, that's, that's the silver lining, more of them need to happen, there needs to be a Wave Pool tour, and that's going to be surfing. Where you're gonna have someone in the middle states, they're landlocked states, and they be like, "This is cool. I want to try it." Yeah. It's in a controlled well, environment. It's the, the safe. Whole Rick it's like, King yeah, it's real. Myth is happening. It's real. You Somewhere. can have, Think of this. You can go to oh, put a pool in Vegas. Have Paul Fisher DJ. Paul have the best surfers there. You're gonna Dude, get you're money you're gonna maker. Get, you're gonna get the world's biggest celebs there too to party and have fun. Everyone watching I mean, guys do cartwheels cool. in the water. It'd be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean when I when I surfed Waco, I'm like, this is. This is too addicting. I I, I, I could I could surf this, you know, because you never get that mind you know, that that opportunity to play yeah. mindset of over over. Okay, I can do that same turn, but then I could do this. Yeah. You know, you keep refining and tweaking. But I'm like, man, it's too short. Yeah. Wake it's too short. It needs to be like twice as Wake like long. Short, you know. Sure. And that's when that Florida or uh, sorry the Brazil one that popped up, and I'm like, holy shit! Like that's well, that's a 30 it, second. It's so funny dude, because. Japan was the same size as Waco. Smaller pool, but exactly the same amount of chambers. So same ride, kind of ran out. There was more room at Waco to kind of fizzle out or whatever. Yeah. But we were sitting there, and we all got pretty loose one night. And there's a drink there called the Highball. And we're all just spitting ideas because we're trying to make waves, and I'm like, they're kind of picking my brain. Um, and we came up with that wave that like that had the turn. And I'm like, okay, you have the best air section, but how do you make this better? Surfing's going to get to a point like skating. you got to put a line together. Yeah. So that's where we came up with the one where you can do the big tail blow or a big car. You go over the hump into an air. So you got a car though. And that kind of felt like that was the snowball effect of what happened in Japan. It made it twice as long now. And two of those exact same like move sections on one wave. Like it's just the opportunities are endless of what you can make. Yeah. That's what was cool. And it was the first time where I was like, I never got bored on even serving the exact same wave. In the ocean, you never get the same session section. Yeah. So it was so cool. They like it felt like skating, and that's why like. Skateboarder too? Uh, Eric's a skater. I did, but I broke both my wrists, and I was like, I didn't, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. get on that. I'm good on that. It's so. fun until you get you land and break, and you're like, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Concrete hurts for sure. Concrete yeah. Hurts. Yeah, little people. Yeah, the, I, I just, you know, you, you look at all the possibilities of how they, you know, make the waves, and you know, traditionally right now, yeah, it's like it's more down the line and a big finishing move, and yeah. You know, this, this pools don't lend to like the full round. The round you know, and I'm like, man, instead of an air section, maybe you could get that foam and, and like bring the power back and like Slater does those like cars off the white water and then back and it's a really like backside, like upside down turn. I'm like, 
It's gonna, there's gonna be some crazy lines developing. The one thing that will never be taken away is there's gonna be two things. There's gonna be saltwater surfing. There's gonna be a kid that's never been in the saltwater in 20 that's years from now. Yeah. That's such a good surfer. Yeah. And that's gonna be where the fine line's gonna be drawn. Again, like you're saying, Grand Canyon, they're gonna have to go. It's, there's an art to reading the ocean, right? Yeah. Going out and surfing, and then yeah. that's what's unique about surfing, getting on different waves. It's unique lines. sitting in a pool and, and waiting for that like surge and where to sit. Like yeah. you could be two feet away from the sweet spot and like totally get thrown off yeah. like it's and super particular you don't with the wave pool stuff like with surf ranch it's a little repetitive it's too long I, yeah. in my opinion I mean, right yeah. here yeah exactly right here like, right too it's long good. it's too long so it's like what can for the you risk do? yeah you always see guys doing maneuvers at the highest and biggest they've ever done it so yeah. you still gotta be you can't be an air guy you gotta be able to do turns and put it on rails so there's a fine line of where yeah. it needs to get to but it's fun. This short, really shorten up the ranch and throw a little air, air wave at the throw end. Throw a big closeout section. Where throw a couple little lights, like, little in. chambers on the on the end of that thing that blow up a little side wobble. Yeah. Now you're talking. <laughs> It'll be cool. But like you're saying to your point, like you can't really get the art of carving too well in the pools yet. Yeah. So that's the fine line of how that gets there. But I think that's the next evolution of the pools on how to like create more of a. You know, it might, that plunger setup I like because they just make a swell and it rakes along something, like yeah. along the, the bottom of whatever it is. I don't know much about that technology, but that's cool. Yeah. Changing the, the subject, uh, are you part of your board riders club? NSB board riders. Yeah, so we are, uh, the second one just happened. I was a little under the weather, so I didn't get to do it, but I think we're winning over in Florida. I think we got a couple, like out of two events, Space Coast, they have a really good team, Space yeah. Coast. Um, but Isn't yeah, it's awesome to see this. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it yeah. is cool. It's cool. So you'll be you'll be going uh, against the Lopez's because they're in this different town. They're, they're on the north region of Florida. So then it'll be the top two teams from north. We're considered south. Uh huh. So the top two from south, top two from north, and then we'll we'll meet somewhere. Yeah, yeah probably. So rad. For the finals, and then the top two teams from there get to go to Cali and do the lower stuff. So it's oh. fun. Yeah, those board riders, it's cool because. New Smyrna, there's guys coming out of the woodshop, and we have such a good talent pool there. And I haven't seen surfing our inlet in so long, but now that these board riders are there, they're like yeah. grinding. It's, it's pretty yeah. cool. It's it's pretty cool. The, the, the generational gap of the old the guys you used to look up to as a Grom, exactly. and now you're like the guys that yep. kids look up to, and it's like gets the older guys whipped into shape, and yep. it, the little guys, you know, the, the younger got you know bucks are kind of like. Holy shit, who are these guys? You know, they, they, don't, like even know. they don't even exactly. know them, you know? And you're like, dude, you know what this guy or this girl this did? Is, like, these are legends. The only reason I'm here is because of this kid. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That heritage and that passed down, and, and it's the best beach day that we could have, like, yeah. you know, with all yeah. the, the crews. And then you, you reminisce and you see all the guys you competed yeah. with in other clubs showing up. And everyone's shredding, too. Like, it's, I remember when I went to Cal. So competitive. Dude, who was it? It was someone from Santa Cruz. I think it was Tyler Fox. He ripped the wave at lower so hard. He got a 10. It was unbelievable. It was shitty. It was the first year, or maybe, I don't know, one first year we did it. Yeah. He ripped away. It was just so cool seeing all the old boys, like the older boys come back out, yeah. flare up. Video. I watched them as a kid growing up, and yeah. the generation below me wouldn't know who they are. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So that's cool. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. That, that West Coast Finals last year, or was it? Yeah. It was insane. Yeah, it was proper lowers, like you know, like yeah. Benji, Benji Severson. Yeah, he dropped like two, two nines. nines. Yeah. So uh, our guy, who hardly anybody really knows, is named Barry Deathball's brother. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know that. Barry. Yep. He he didn't he doesn't get to surf very many of many of them, and yep. he got called on to surf the final. Yep. And the fucking guy dropped at eight. <laughs> no, so before he even paddled out, so he's sick. in the fifties division, and you know, and he's like, "I'm gonna go do an air." 
And he doesn't do it. He, he goes out, he blows his tail like three times, does all the turns, and then pops an air at the end of the wave. Yeah. And we're like, That's the only guy in the 50s that popped an air. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. it was fucking cool. But the him to call, claim it before was fucking like all time. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's like, I mean, in all, it's cool because we're all in our own generation, but we all travel, like doing the QS and all that. All yeah. these, like, it's a big, surfing's one big family. That's yeah. the one thing that's such, we have such a small community in the scheme of things. Everyone so small. Knows everyone, so. And that's what's great about Surf Expos. It's, it's bringing everybody from all over, and it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like a reunion party, you know? This is where we're at. What's next for. So what's, what's next said, for me? Puerto Rico? We're, we're, yeah, so I'm, I'm still, on, I have a, I'm going to do an event, I think, at Pismo. QS 3000. I seen oh, you beat the final last year? Last year I got second. Yeah, yeah me and uh, Dimitri Polis. Yeah, he, um, he got me in the final. But um, close. we're going to do that. Yeah, it was a close final. It was fun. Um, but that's another young generation, Cali Kid Venturki, like rips. I didn't know yeah. much about him. Like, rips. Yeah. Such a good surfer. We had him on the show, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, good. 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 Yeah. He should be. Um, <laughs> But I'm going to go out and do that event, and then I'm going to go from there straight to Puerto Rico, and that'll be our first kind of campaign, campaign shoot and free fly. Nice. Then we're going to go... Um, go to Hawaii this winter? That's a goal. I want to go late season, March, April. Yeah. Sneak over there. And then, um, big thing, I want to go to Indo and film for like six weeks yes. um, in the summer. So I'm going to bring my girl out there and just post up. And now, does free fly already have surfers already? So, yeah, I'll be doing... Well, Mark Healy. It's very... But Mark but signed... that's new, too, right? That's new, yeah. Mark signed, I want to say, October, maybe. Maybe it could have been September, October. And um, I'm really excited to do some tests Mark. Really yeah. excited, just because I just want to pick his brain. Dude, the spear fishing, the breath, the, the breath work, the, the fitness like side, the health side. I, the I haven't even said this yet, but free fly. Maybe we can go to Cloud Break, Tavaru or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It'd be a good spot. I, I think that would be a good Couple one. Good, good, fishing. Fishing. <laughs> good diving, probably good fishing. Oh yeah, my god, good over there. But um, my last trip there, we scored fishing. Yeah. So, or chokes, we got chokes, that'd be fun. But yeah, yeah. Basically, this is kind of a new chapter for me, and I got a good gig with them. So I'm gonna be with them for a while, so I make a long deal with them. So awesome. And, yeah, just well, looking forward to this next chapter. Keep rocking, man. Yeah, we you appreciate boys. your time, I, and um, yeah, I'm, go, go. I'm a goofy footer, and I appreciate your. I remember that yeah, backhand. You know, I, I watched you guys on uh, what's it, ripping, flipping, flipping, oh, yeah, flipping. Yeah. Yeah. Where were the couple clips where you had momentum? Or, yeah. um, what was it? You had a couple like backside hangers. I, remember, yeah, I, I can't remember know. the vid, but you were flaring. Co- so hard. Couple, couple loose. Yep. Yeah, loose change. Loose change. Yeah, maybe it was loose. A little couple. Wow. This show's not about late night Lars. Hey, no. Hey, I it love is. it all. It see, is. See that name over there? You know why? Because without you two, we wouldn't be here. Thank you, boys. Congrats. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Refly. Boom. (laughs) All right. Surf Expo, day two, late night with Chalky. We're in happy hour. Sitting with another surfing's retail royalty. Good. 1978. Is that when you came into business? A long time ago. Outer Banks. Board writing, boarding company. Boarding company. Sorry, let me get that right. Outer Banks Boarding Company. Yep. Lynn Shell. Lynn Shell. Thank you for coming on to the show, and um, yeah, being a pinnacle to the industry for so many decades, man. It's huge. So tell us, uh, how would you get into surfing? Into surfing. Into surfing. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> as a child, I lived in a little place up from born in North Carolina, and uh, the actual uh, place I lived was a little island in the Sound that looked at the back of the Outer Banks, and my dad used to take me over in a little boat, our family, in the summer, and then we went to the beach there, 
then from there we moved up to a little community uh, near Sandbridge, Virginia. It's a little, just all residential homes. And we, my dad leased from the city a, a public beach that was a parking lot and the beach, and we provided lifeguard service, rented rafts and umbrellas from when I was like five or six until I was a lifeguard. My brothers were lifeguards, my cousins were lifeguards. Wow, waterman. Yeah, and that was until um, the early 70s when I actually moved down to Buxton in the Outer Banks. And, uh, and then there was uh, some guys, the Natural Art Surfboard guys, they moved their factory to the Outer Banks in 1975. Um, and uh, they were building natural arts. They wanted to be somewhere where there's really good, consistent waves. And uh, I got to be able to test the equipment on something. Yeah. yeah. Good waves, yeah. That was when Greg Lore was kind of at the pinnacle of his surfing career. And he was like the head shaper. And I got to know those guys. And then um, there was a, a couple. He was the laminator and part owner with Pete Dooley of Natural Arts Reports. His name was Scott Lesby. He actually, uh, they... The wives spent a winter on the Outer Banks, and it's just a ghost town. They're like, we're out of here. They're like, we're (laughs) out of here. So everybody that moved the factory down to Rockledge in that area where near where Ricky Carroll's is now. And and the Busby's just didn't want to be in Florida, so they drove up a little truck, and they rented a place in 1977 and started Natural Arts Surf Shop in Buxton, North Carolina. They've been there over 45 years. That's crazy that they've been around that long too. Yeah. Natural art, you know. I, I mean, it's one of the most iconic logos that you've seen forever. They're still around too. Yeah. Huh? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know that they're building natural art circles. Yeah. But natural natural art surf shop in Florida closed, but natural art surf shop in Luxton um, is still there. They they, they open, and uh, their second year in business, um, they offered me a job working retail, and uh, I got into working the store. Um, How old are you? How old was I? Yeah. I was like 21, 22, I guess. Okay. So what were you doing beforehand? Like, like framing. framing houses. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Doing whatever I could to pay for certain trips. Yeah. Well, there was a big, there was a big, you know, construction boom in the 70s, too, with the, you know, oh, construction, yeah. you know? Yeah. So uh, we didn't really ask you what, what kind of board did you, what was your first board? My first board? Well, that was the thing. I was, I couldn't afford a board when I was 10. That was 1965. Um, just borrowed boards. My first board, I'd say, would be a canvas raft because we rented those. We would put a little extra air in a couple of them so they wouldn't fold. Yeah. That's what I learned to surf on. So when you on a raft. On, when you get on a 9.6, you're gliding. You're like, easy. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I got all this room and so, yeah. Yeah. That was the easy part. It was when the boards got really short that it got harder. So, so we, we learned on standing up on boogie boards before the surfboards. You guys learned on standing up on the rafts before the surfboards. Yep. Yeah, before yeah. the boogie board. Before, yeah, well, that was pre-boogie board, yeah. Pre-Tom pre Mori. Yeah. 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 As far as the body board. So uh, you said you, what were you, did you go to school or did you try to go to college or? No, I just graduated from high school and just knew, I, college, I, I, knew I wanted to be where I was down on the Outer Banks. I started going there when I was, some older guys took me when I was like 12 years old because we were at the very south end of Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach was kind of like the, you know, the boardwalk and yeah. the high, you know, Bobby, hotels and all that. Where we were, and it, it was very much like a 
residential community. You know, rental homes for the summer, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so where Pretty I live, remote for the most part. Like, oh, you know, yeah. yeah. One little two-lane two yeah. road that went in there. And uh, there was a little market and a, and a restaurant there. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. In so, good waves. That's all you needed. Pretty good waves. Yeah. So look, when you finally could afford a new board, do you remember what you got? Oh, man. Yeah. I could only afford a Hanson Master. I remember that. That was my first one. It was six cents. Hanson Master, they called it. It actually had a screw through the deck, through the fin box, into the fin. Wow. Yeah. That was, yeah. It was the cheaper model. So you're talking Hansons from the oh, West yeah. Coast, yeah. Vaughn Hanson. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. yeah. And and I've was got... there a thriving surf community or anything? Yeah, you know, a lot of the year-round families that live down there, the kids surfed. And, uh, yeah, without going further into it, a real interesting thing, one of those guys, um, when we were kids, you know, he um, he was just in my store with his son this fall, and he... Uh, he was really cool because this guy's written like five books and the books are about his childhood and it talks about all these people but they all have the names are changed and I'm reading the book and I'm it's going like, oh my me. god I was there I know, I know those, those people guys. Yeah. yeah so it's pretty cool I'm in the middle of it right now and he, and he talks all about surfing about his first you know like book called? incredible it's called Fintress Corner Fisher's Corner Fintress it's 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 all gone now because of development, but there was a little filling station where you turned to head to Sandbridge on Princess Anne Road, and uh, that was the name of it. So he came up with this this name. But he's already all. He gave me a couple of his books that he wrote. The other one's called um, Outer Banks, 1958, or something like that. So your first job in, in, in the industry was working for Natural Art. Yeah, Carolyn Scott Busby hired me. Uh, they said, they asked me if I would work the showroom. I mean, the showroom was like 16 by 16. And uh, they asked me because they say we have a hard time talking to people that are introverts. Yeah. You know? she's, she's an incredible Re- You're in retail and you're an introvert. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I got to find a good front man. They've, yeah. they've done a good job in 45 yeah. years. Though. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and Was Scott, it just boards or is it like... Well, she have? actually, they screen printed their own t-shirts. And she actually sewed board shorts, like handmade board shorts and walk shorts, and Hawaiian print shirts. And she still does that kind of thing. She still sews like little girls' dresses. I mean, very unique stuff, very like one-offs and things like that. That's cool. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, So how long did you do that for? Um, Well, I was there for eight years, from 78 till 80. I think 86, just before and 87. Did you work there full-time? Or? Um, I would work. We would close down in the winter, okay. and I would generally travel. Um, I'd go to North Shore for three or four months. Look at this we guy. Yeah. And, um, Good for you. Or I, I'm still trying to get on that program. Still? So, <laughs> Shut things down for a few months oh, and go to the North Shore. Oh, the broke program. Well, right now, today, he was in the shape, he was in the shape ball first thing yesterday. And uh, they left this morning. They're closed for a couple months. Now they go out to Utah and they snowboard every day for like 60 days. They probably take two days off. <laughs> they go out there and ride. They love snowboarding. They do that. Yeah. In the off season, they just kind of have a change. Uh, you were going to Hawaii from the East Coast. And, and were you comfortable in the big... Well, I'd already been. My first winter on the North Shore was 75, 76. Wow. And uh, I was just talking to a gentleman about it over on the couch. So and, you love uh, it? 
and it was cool. You know, that was the winner. I mean, you know, Are you goofy I'm, or regular? I'm regular. Okay. I was more a sunset guy. That's my, that was kind of my way. There, V Land. I lived talking to him right at the base of Comset Hill. And uh, one of the guys that was from our area, a lot of people don't know it, Brian Bielman. You know, he's Brian from, yeah. yeah. Him and his brother, we used to always be in Hatters, and they were from Virginia. Brian, that was Brian's first winner, and he never came back. Never. Got into photography. His older brother's over there, too, Greg. And of course, now they've been married, divorced, children. Yeah. But Brian's a legend. Yeah. yeah. Big but, time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And so that was cool. You know, I was over there. I mean, I was so broke. I went over there with a one-way ticket and 80 bucks in my pocket. And um, ended up getting a job at the Kuilima, which is now the Turtle Lake. Yeah. And everybody told me, oh, they're not hiring. I'm going, i got to have a job. I went four days in a row and they hired me. And so I worked in the restaurant for a while. I actually worked, one of the waitresses was Tom Parrish's wife. And uh, I was busboy. And got to know her, and she took me over and got a, I got a shake line from Tom. Wow, that, that's that cool. Was, what a good you know, yeah. coincidence that worked out in your favor. Yeah, that part was cool. And then um, I had my senior life saving from being a lifeguard um, back on the East Coast, and they had a position open for the pool there, right by Turtle Bay. Yeah. And I got the lifeguard job there. Nice. <laughs> Hey, you're not paddling out of saving somebody a wine there pipeline. You're at the pool, yeah. killing it. <laughs> yeah. so, That's rad. So, um, were you comfortable in the big stuff, though? I mean, you know, it takes a while to build up yeah. to it, but it's it's interesting out. You know, you go, and luckily there was a guy from California, and uh, he was pretty charger, and he was he rented a room at the house we were in. And nobody at the house wanted anything to do. Most guys, a lot of guys, were a bit intimidated. And I'd go out with them at sunset. And this was before leashes, so, you know, you made friends because when the cleanup set came, everybody got cleaned up. Of course, the board's all washed in. And so when you got to the channel, you got anybody's board until you got your board, and then you paddled out with your feet on their board and take them back their board. Little right conveyor belt. Like, thanks, Rob. Thanks, you know? Yeah, so, what a trip. Yeah, yeah I, 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 where were you living? Uh, sorry, I, I was yeah. right at the base of Compsat Hill. There's these little army houses there, yeah. you know. We were like the second one west of the Compsat Hill Road. So we could walk right over the dry riverbed and go right out, and there's V-Lane right there. Our backyards. Yeah. Or ride my bike down the sunset. I remember paddling. Pretty empty back then, huh? yeah. Oh, my God. All backyards. There was, was one house out there. This guy, Masa, managed it, and nobody walked across the property. I remember sunset, like, you know, when I was a Grom going over there, and it was like, you know, leash. Yeah, you want a leash, obviously. That's what we all wore. And there's guys out there with still no leashes. They chose not to wear a leash. Like Bobby Owens, who was like sunset master. Yep. Uh, Michael Ho, and like, I think even like, I don't know, there's a couple other guys that were like, paddle past me, paddle like into the apex. Yeah. Somehow dodge sets and then be on a perfect one, you know, and I'm like getting cleaned up, you know, just the, the awareness on how good they do, the direction and everything. I'm like, no wonder they don't need a leash. Peter Cole was really cool. <laughs> Peter Cole. Peter yeah, Cole, yeah. He rode white huge, t-shirt. Huge boards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's on like seven eight o's. He's on like a nine ten o. like just. Very cool. How long did you live on those shorts? I mean, I just spent like three months, four months, two months. You know, it got obviously as things progressed, it was less time. Yeah. Um, you know, bringing more up to date, we got to, um, you know, when 
I, I had an interview with somebody um, from Beachtown, Paul Galane. He used to work for Nancy Caton back in the day, Caton, campus by Caton, and uh, for a sales rep job, just because it was like, well, if you're ever going to make it, you know, other than working in a shop, it's going to be in sales. Well, no one would hire me because I didn't have any experience. But backing up and working at the shop, um, Scott Busby, you know, who was in the International Support Builders Hall of Fame, um, went out to Huntington when he got inducted a few years ago. I mean, the guy's like a master craftsman. You know, yeah. He does all the resin pin lines. I mean, he can laminate, do cut laps that don't need pin lines. Beautiful stuff. Man, from start to finish. Um, he got tired of waiting for natural art to bring boards up north, and so he just, he didn't shape, but he did all the glassing. When Greg would come up, he would shape some, and Scott would glass them. But Scott started shaping, and he was like, well, he's, you know, he was in a position to where, well, I don't want to get to all the work, so he started training me. And he's who taught me, you know, how to, like, I started polishing, then I started glossing, and then I started thinning, and then I started laminating, you know, hot coating and then laminating. It's so crazy all the processes and yeah. like how much goes into a board. Like back especially then. like back, yeah, when, yeah, the, the, the lamp. You know, start to finish, all of it, you have to like be accomplished. At, yeah, each. To make it right. Each phase is, a, is, a, really is a, good, a skill, a certain a skill set. Yeah, it is, you know, but what's most important, I think, that I've seen because I've worked production and then I've also worked with like one other person is the fact that when you do a lot of the steps, every time, every step that you do, you're doing your best prep for the next step to make your job easier. When you're in a production setting, a lot of times, the guys are just doing their job and getting it through, so the next guy may have more work to do. Especially when there was class on fins and things like that, trimming and that kind of thing. I like that point of view, because yeah, you know, like you're all, you all have your own individual job when the, in the board process, but it's like, you don't want to burn out the guy, yeah. you know, after you that has, like, he's going to be yeah. pissed. Shaper, you know? hot coder, laminator, is it laminating or hot coating first? Um, laminating first, you know, then you would fin, you would glass the fins on, then you would hot coat it, then you would sand yeah. it, then you would gloss it, then you oh, would polish yeah. it. Yeah. 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 There's a lot to making a good looking surface. Especially yeah. when it's polished gloss. Yeah. Yeah. Polished gloss is like. So yeah. when, when did you start shaping at that time? Oh well, here's the crazy part. It was um, like 1983, the end of the year. You know, we're getting ready to close down, and my end of the year bonus was a brand new skill planer in the box. Cool. And that was when uh, Scott said, "Look, I'm going to give you the blanks. I'm not going to go in there because if I do, you're not going to do the board." build a couple of rental boards so that was 1983 my third board was like a custom order from some guy that was a friend that he said I want you to make me a board and so um, I continued doing all the finish work and stuff uh, and it was a you know, that was 1979 we started a label called in the eye in the eye like with the hurricane the sign yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, your, your brand. No, that was Scott and we, we started that together. <coughs> yeah, okay. it was Scott. Lesby? Yeah, they had the business card. It says Scott Lesby and Lynn Shell back then. And then, um, of course, bringing it up to 86, um, when when 87, when I got back from New York Shore, I worked the season and then uh, I left. And it was interesting. I went back. Um, I was in Virginia Beach for less than a year and uh, 
it's framing houses in the winter, super cold. And all these guys that build boards up there, Gurney Collins at Hotline, Alan White at Season back then, and Bill Frierson at WRV, my phone started ringing. It's like, hey, can you come and do this? Can you come and do that? Can you come and do this? And you, like, by then you're the jack of all trades kind of and all. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, I went shaped some boards here. They wanted me to shape boards. Another guy needed me to, ah, the sander didn't show up or the thinner didn't show up or whatever, you know. And, uh, and so that was when Frierson was the one that kind of called me more and more. And uh, he's going, I want you to shape a few boards. And so wave riding vehicles, you know, Bill brought me on board and they built their factory down right across the bridge from the Outer Banks, which is still there. I mean, you know, they're probably one of the biggest builders on the East Coast. And uh, Bill, who was the head shaper and half owner of Wayvine Vehicles, you know, he just gave me as many boards as I was doing. So I'd shape 15 to 25 a week. Damn. Yeah. And, and, and was that offsetting what you could have made construction-wise? Or is it well, like better? Yeah, I mean, I just stopped. I, I was but, just shaping. But you know, you're, you're you're kind of dabbling in both for a little bit in the transition. But it, uh, is it? Yeah, very making, short transition. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I don't know the numbers or. Like, I remember friends telling me like people shapers would get you know go shapers oh. get like 20, 25 bucks. Twenty two, twenty five, twenty three, yeah. depending on the length. I might make twenty five bucks. But, you know, I mean, when you're hand-shaping from start to finish, I just go in there and, you know, eight, nine hours later, it'll be five, six boards done. Yeah. And I'd walk out. I mean, you're just in there just mowing all day long. Yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not an easy, like, it's a tough... It's not easy. It works on your body yeah, after it works, 20 yeah. years. Yeah. You know? But it's lucrative it can. if you're working for if somebody you're, that... If you're efficient. Yeah, if you're efficient, efficient. and then if your board's in demand. Yeah. Kind of like guys like Terry Martin and, you know, those guys yeah. were just machines. Yeah. They were human shaping machines. Nev Hyman's another example. I helped Nev set up his distribution on the East Coast in the early 90s. And uh, and he, he could, sh- God, could shape 8, 12 a day. John Harper was another one. When I worked for Watt Alley Creation, John would come over from the North Shore to the Outer Banks. And I'd shape him in my house. He'd shape 80 90 boards. I'd pay them for them, get them all glass because I had them pre-sold, deliver them up and down the coast. Radical. So wait, you worked for HIC? Well, that's what I'm getting into. Yeah. So in that transition when I left um, Natural Art and I was shaping for WRD, I always wanted to get into sales. Um, And a good friend of mine that owned Surf City Surf Shop in Myrtle Beach, we had met years before that, Mark Allison, he was the town and country rep. This was in 1980, what was this, no, 89. Town and Country is huge. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. I mean, we'd come to the show and literally leave the show with a stack of orders this tall. Yeah. Well, they had it. paper. Incredible logo, team. Oh, all the, like, remember all the characters? Oh, yeah, the monkey, gorilla, gorilla. Like, oh, Thrilla, Gorilla, Joe yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you know. They were on point. <laughs> it was... And that was, I was a young, young kid, and that was the one shirt that I just, Mom, I want TNC shirts. Mom, yeah. I want TNC she shirts. She was starting to tell us a story about Beach Town. Well, that was just an interview that I had yeah. with Paul Galane. You know, they were looking for a sales rep, and that was right when I transitioned from natural art, and I was in Virginia Beach, um, you know, uh, getting ready in transition. 
and you know like I said I didn't have any sales experience like outside sales just retail sales yeah. and so you know I didn't get the job okay. and so you know I knew that I wanted to try to get into sales yeah and so Mark Allison was so busy because they had started you know all the surf brands had started going into department stores because the demand so he was dealing with their apartment stores and he couldn't get the specialty stores. So he actually um, gave me a job as a sub rep down the country and I was doing all the shops from Georgia to New York. And uh, I was doing uh, town and country. So I'd go on the road a week, come home and I'd shape Orders. And then I'd go on the road a week or two and I'd come home and shape a couple of weeks. And so that was my transition for many years. Yeah. And, and pretty, uh, pretty decent income, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd live off the shape money. You know how it is in sales. You know, it's months before yeah. you ever, you know, you book everything. Yeah. You don't know what's going to get shipped. You don't know what you're going to pay yeah. for. But when the money came in, I was blessed to be able to put that money It was like an extra bonus, but you put in the time, yeah. and, you know, it's a good balance. Work seven days a week. Yeah. You know? But I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully you still surfing in passion and getting a little, you're not in the box, you're but, not in the cubicle. But, you know, living on the Outer Banks, and back then, Eastern Championships were always at the lighthouse. And so I met a lot of guys from up and down the coast and surf shop owners and things like that. Um, at the contest that would come down every year. So when I started going on the road, I'm going into these shops and I'm like, hey, you know. And, yeah. and so I was a town and country rep and that was for a couple of years. And then uh, Ron Nishida was the um, sales manager. Well, Ron, he transitioned to where they did Coral Head Incorporated, which they became the licensee for HIC. Yeah. That was when things got interesting. Because HIC, ride. man, if you ever saw their T-shirt art, yeah. man, they owned the they owned the business. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Quicksilver and all were big, but they had like the cool tattoo art, and it yeah. was that same fucking thing. Enjoy the ride, where it's like I don't know, like a sunset picture yeah. with a, a Volkswagen bus. I kind of remember that. Yeah. yeah, but it was it was it was really cool because what happened was is. County Country, I shaped a few boards for team guys and stuff, and Craig and Linda, they were cool, but, um, you know, I never really did any production boards for them. Well, when I went to HIC, I'm going into these shops. Now, some of the shops carry WRVs, and they carry my boards, but some of the shops don't. And, uh, and so I started shaping my boards with HIC label, and then um, I met this one kid, Jesse Hines, who eventually oh, yeah. became my stepson. I married Jess, Jesse's mom. Well, I met him when he was 13. I met his mom through him at about 14 and married his mom when he was 15 years old. We've been married almost 30 yeah. years. Nice. Yeah. And um, Jesse Hines is a new right? Yeah. 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 He rips, man. He rips, yeah. Hard. Yeah. Still. You remember? Yeah. yeah. I remember. Noah Snyder was another guy that, yeah, that no, started really. shaping Noah's boards when he was 13 at WRV. And uh, shaped them all the way up until he was in the middle, you know, in the middle of his pro career. And now I'm shaping them again. You know, it just got inducted last night into the East Coast Surfing Hall. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and uh, but you know, in that, like I said, in that transition, I started shaping these team kids HFC boards, and then the guys in Hawaii are like, "Hey, you know, we have this shaping machine over here." He goes, "Why don't you shape some masters and shape boards for us?" And so I have all these accounts that, you know, generally with surfboard manufacturers, it's like they're 
way over here. Yeah. And they order boards. There's not a personal relationship with it. Well, these shops I had been their sales rep and all this. So all of a sudden, Surfer Supplies in Maryland, Caicos, I mean, Caicos in Maryland, Surfer Supplies in New Jersey, up the coast, Long Island, New York, all of a sudden they started ordering boards, right? Well, with HIC, they're building my models in Hawaii. I'm doing custom orders back here, and all of a sudden I'm doing like 500 boards a year. Wow. Back here, hand-shaping 200, 250. The other one's coming off the machine. I got up to a, over 700 boards a year. Dang. And so... You were chinging Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, surfboards, they're not the lucrative part of the yeah, business yeah. overly, but it was just a really, really special time. And, and you know, I just, I just feel so fortunate and blessed with the timing of it because one of the owners, Stephen Sugiyama, um, and his brother, Jimmy, Stephen was here at the ship. Yeah. And I get to reconnect with him, you know, go visit him. So... Fast forward from where I was going to the North Shore, now I'm going to Hawaii to finish boards over at Laminations Hawaii where, with Dennis Kirk. Oh, bummer, going to Hawaii to work and play. Well, I was working, Yeah. and Dwayne Mackey was a big guy at Dwayne the factory. He was, he was managing name? the factory, and uh, I got to know Dwayne, stay with him. We'd go over the factory, I'd finish a bunch of boards. I'd go for a few weeks. I couldn't go for an extended part of time. But then I had to hire a sub rep to actually do the clothing because the board business has gotten so busy. Yeah. And that's when John Carper actually was shaping for HRC. And so this was before Eric came on. Yeah. So John and I kind of became friends. And John would come over, like I said, and he'd do a batch of 80, 90 boards. He'd show up. I'd have the blanks. I'd have the shaping room all ready for him. He'd just go in here and shape. He'd get his check and go home. John Carper was pretty was big in that. Oh big. my God! Yeah, he was. late eighties, nineties. Yeah, Shane Dorian was. Yeah, yeah. He's his, he was HIC. He was his marquee, yeah. like yeah, athlete for sure. Yeah. yeah, Jesse, Jesse. Well, Jesse wrote some of his boards, but then when John transitioned out away from HIC, Jesse was sponsored by him for boards. years. Yeah, yeah. So the I John, remember. I think Jesse Hines used to ride for O'Neill. Yeah. yeah, he rode for O'Neill after, you know, it was like, I don't know, counterculture, you know, this was transition days, Tavarua. Um, My good had, friend Wyatt Simmons was riding for Chase, the road a lot of JCs back then. Yeah. And I think the same time as, as uh, Jesse. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, it, was, it was just, like I said, it was, I, I just couldn't believe, you know, here's a kid that grew up in this little beach community surfing and then went to the Outer Banks which is like nowhere on the map back then, nowhere you know? yeah and then all of a sudden I'm like working for this Hawaiian company shaping the boards and all these people are buying them they're selling them in California and they're selling them in Hawaii yeah at the HIC did, now did town and country ever reach out to you and go like what the fuck dude well no like, yeah I you mean done I'll, this for I'll, us. Tell you, I'll tell you what happened I you mean Craig, you? Craig and Linda they're great people but in Hawaii, you know, you have those guys. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, no matter what you do, it's a rivalry. And in my mind, I was like, man, how cool is this? I can be the Hawaiian connection on the East Coast. Yeah. And I can still TNC and HS. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But this was before I was actually shaping a lot of boards. Yeah, yeah. For them. I was shaping a lot of boards. That's like the Hatfield McCoys right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you throw in Blue Hawaii and you throw in a couple others. And, well, you know, like, it's just like... 
Crazy. Another another great shaper, Glenn. You know, I've yeah. become really good friends with him. I've had him Anami? over some. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Yeah. Awesome guy. But you know that that whole thing. You know that was a span from um, the early, very early '90s, all the way till like 2001, 2002. When uh, I took over, that used to be a Burt surf shop, which is OBD. Burt's. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, my hat goes off to the Pearsons, you know, really nice people. They've been in business since 65. They had like nine stores, I think, at one time between the Outer Banks and Myrtle Beach. They're down to six stores. And uh, that our building was a building that, um, you know, was a Burt's. They built in 87. So... Fast forward to 2002. Now. To now. Yeah. Uh, opportunity to take over by the retail. Shop. Yeah. And yeah, the retail store, they wanted to get out of the Outer Banks. They sold the, the location in Kitty Hawk. And then the location in Nagshead, there was a, a, a gentleman that was my sub rep named Robert Farmer. And he was working at the store, kind of not managing it, but working at the store. And Bert said, oh, I'll take this thing over, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And, and uh, he approached me. He was going, hey, they, you know, ask if we wanted to take the store over, blah, blah, blah. And I said, maybe I'll talk to my wife. And we kind of set up a deal. And, and just we did licensee as Burks for the first two years, 2002, 2003, because we couldn't afford to do the outside and everything. Yeah. So change, in that, it, in, change over the name. We changed it from the inside yeah. out. Yeah. Because and see how it goes. Yeah. Everybody has a different business model. Ours was made to be a core surf shop. And I mean, that was from the beginning. And so we kind of kicked out the saltwater taffy, the sand pails, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and eventually bought that in. I had a few people say to me, "Why would you go into birds?" I said, "Maybe opportunity." Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. So mind your own business. Yeah, I'm my own game plan here. Yeah, yeah. But. I don't want taffy in here either. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, I want salt water, but no taffy. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, it. You know, like I said, you just don't. You can't plan it. Yeah. You know, you just work, and luckily, you know, good things happen. Yeah. Yeah. If you're as passionate enough about it, but you gotta have business sense. Yeah. And savvy. Um, you know, it's been an interesting ride, but 22 years later, yeah. you know, here we are. And luckily, you know, I had to get out of shaping because I ended up having to run the business. Yeah. And I wasn't shaping for several years. And uh, and just recently, there's in the last three or four years, um, well, I take that back, Superbrand was another surfboard brand and company that we got behind because Jesse was sponsored by them. Jason Coons became a really good friend, great shaper, great software guy for design, CAD design. Um, got to know some of the other guys that did what was called Shapers Collective. They had Sparrow in Australia um, and they had uh, Jason here. Um, 
And then what happened was, as I approached him and said, hey, we'd love to partner with you, you know, and I'd love to be able to design a board for the line. And so I designed a board for Super, and we carried it in our store along with everything else. Was it branded, co-branded, or just? It was It was a um, Shell Shapes Super brand. Cool. Yep. Yeah, it was called the Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Who album. Yeah, yeah. 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 So great name, yeah, and uh, quad fishy type board. Yeah, you know, I think that would have been I don't even know what year it was, mid two thousands or something, late two thousands. But um, yeah, and so you know we rode that out, and uh, of course you know Jesse was really big mentoring in a lot of ways. Brett Barley got him on JC uh, in the beginning before Jesse moved on to Superbrand. Same thing happened with Brett, moved on to Superbrand, got him with uh, O'Neill as well, pretty much. You know, and, and your Brett's still with Super until maybe a year or so. Yes, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, um, you know, and once that, you know, once that kind of ride ended, um, I met a guy who moved back from Hawaii that had bought an Aku machine who was in the, uh, retired from the Navy. And uh, smart guy, Navy Master Chief, and uh, learned from, um, what's his name, Gordon Hansen in Hawaii, kind of taught him how to build boards. And, um, we kind of met him, he was in Virginia Beach, and became friends, and kind of was like, oh, if I could have this machine, and him finishing boards, so I could get back into doing boards. So that's yeah, machines are expensive too. Yeah, you know, usually yeah. like somebody has a lot. A lot of people share it because that thing needs to be run. Run yeah. <laughs> it needs to be <laughs> turning boards. So with the help of Jason and kind of cleaning up my files and then scaling my files, you know, shell shapes kind of came back. But we were building them. Um, met this guy here at the show a few years ago. Flavio is his name. He had Kiahana. It was a high-pressure EPS foam that uh, is much different than any other EPS foam. It shapes like PU. It doesn't like tear out and all that. And it's super compressed. It's pressurized. Real high pressure, like 5,000 pounds. Most EPS is 1,500, 1,600 pounds. Still, and, uh, still um, like strong and not too heavy? Or is it like... It, what's interesting is it's not any heavier. Any heavier than that yeah, I mean, You're talking maybe ounces. But That's what's, what I think the Achilles heel has always been of EPS foam is the veins because they have to steam that foam and that steam is water. And then they have to dry it out. Well, that, those become veins of air and that's what exactly. takes on all the water and makes it's not uh, it's not as dense so yeah. it, that's why people have not liked epoxies because they don't dampen the shot yeah this high pressure foam with a stringer it's got a wood stringer it actually dampens all the chat mm. so it has all the energy of an epoxy but it doesn't have the same characteristics of the chatter and all that but the way that being glass they're being hand glassed, but glassing, glassing them in reverse. And they got double four bottom and six four top, but they're lighter than a all four ounce PU. They're insane. That is wild, all that glass, and they're still. And they're lighter than a all four, than a double four top and a single four bottom PU, like a blue, blue bike. Crazy. So, yeah, they hold up well. Noah and Jesse are like 
flipping out on these boards. Yeah. Like the way they run. Sparky, fast, light. Yeah. All the above. And they actually last. Yeah. Which so. is which is huge. <laughs> for the consumer? Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. for the build board builder. Yeah. So Outer Banks board riding that's become your business and you, for the past 22 Two years. years. Yeah, we'll start 22 years in March. Yep. And uh, you're open all year round. Open year round. Yeah. Yep. And since then, since when you took it over, how many employees do you think you've had? Several hundred. Yeah. yeah. No wow. doubt. Several hundred, you know. I mean, I, the incredible part is, is, is you asked me how many thousands, but, like, I've had a girl, she came back after she got married and had children because she loved her job so much. She started in high school, worked during the summers in college, graduated, came back, then she got married, she had kids, she left, and then uh, she come back since. She buys all juniors remote. She's been with me 19 years. That's cool. I've had another guy that was with me for 13 years. So you don't, when you don't have that kind of turnover, and you know they were very good. Something, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean it's not perfect. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, and we don't always agree, but man, that's family. Yeah. Well, that and you're 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 kind of creating, you know, careers for other people too, based on like what their passions are learning what you've taught them and stuff too so it's like you're kind of paying it for but you're you're they're also an employee you're working you know yep it's crazy because like you know jay and i come from hunting and surfing sport and okay. he worked there he rode for him i was there i worked for him 12 years and it's fun it's, when you when you think about when I think about my time there and experience there, it's what leads me to today, right? Oh, and yeah. we never think about that. There's always a stepping stone. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, we'll run into people uh, that used to work with us or, or, you know, like I managed, you know, I've managed so many people over the years and, and guys will come up and go, dude, you know you fucking, like, helped change my life? I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like Spags? Yeah. Yeah. Or Dan DeMosco. Like, yeah. They, they come to us and they're like, dude, those were the best times of our lives. Yes. And we learned so much from working at the surf shop. Yeah. That young age, impressionable, but they're also like super passionate about why they're working there. Like I could go get a job anywhere, a restaurant, this, yeah. that, you know, valet, but they want to work in the surf shop because everybody wants to do something that they love. Yeah. Yeah. Mixing business with pleasure. Yeah actually a good friend of mine that just sent me a text he was a boatman in Samoa at Solani Surf Camp and got off the boat he says it's a real pleasure doing business <laughs> I like that yeah. I'm going to put that in the freaking uh, hashtag now <laughs> it's a pleasure doing business with you Yeah, I love it well let's end it on that Yeah. and one thing I wanted to say you know you're 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 a, a beacon of light in in the surf industry. You're retail royalty, and we want to remind our listeners and to tell their friends and their family like support your local surf shops because guys like Lynn Shell, who is salt of the earth, uh, is a surfer, is a board builder, is a businessman, is an entrepreneur, and. That's the backbone of our industry, you know, not just of our industry, but yeah. our country, Family. right? Yeah. 
And thank small you for, business. Yeah. Small thank business. you for laying the foundation for so many people over the years. Yeah. It's not me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a collective. It's, it's, it's everybody know. behind me. Yeah. You know. Well, you're steering the ship and you're yeah. doing a great job. Thank you for your time, man. It's been a, I know it's I been a pleasure doing business with you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Sir Expo. Expo. Peace. Bonsai Bulls, hands down the best bulls, period. Seven locations, two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bulls, go get some. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.